guys, welcome back to Masters of the Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe, over there is Doug, over there is Eric, and we today are getting into the Old West, which actually isn't that old, it's actually kind of the new Old West? It's the, it's the new, last new, of the Old, old West. <laughs> it's yeah. the uh, death throes of the Old West is what it is. It's the 90s take on the Old West. It's called Tombstone, baby. Oh, yeah. What do you want on your tombstone? Uh, pepperoni. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, <laughs> I couldn't resist a dad joke, that's man. The it was per- so that's the perfect answer. Are you kidding me? Low-hanging fruit. I was hoping let's one just, of you would get the, the reference. Let's just yeah. get this out of the way first, okay? Before Whoa, we who the fuck's that? Oh. Right. Uh, hi, I'm Will. Hey, that's Will. <laughs> this isn't my show. Right, so we're not going to sit around and talk three, about random bullshit for an hour. Of the people, three quarters of the people. <laughs> yeah, that's so. pretty much. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, it's more like 3.9 quarters of the people. It's like my show, but better. <laughs> we can't, what's we can't missing? can't shake each other. I don't know. What's something, missing? Something, Bad something seems missing. different. Yeah. Something seems different. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Anyway. The air is lighter. So the question, the question of the day, the question of the episode. Yes. What's better, Tombstone or Young Guns? Oh, it's not. There's not even a fucking question. That's a silly question, is what that is. Come on. Okay, Ooh. answer. Defensive. Lightning round answer. Doug, go. Tombstone. Eric. Now that I've seen Tombstone, I'm going to say Tombstone. Joe. Westworld. <laughs> You're all wrong. The answer is Young Guns too. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guns no, those too. are enjoyable movies. There's no Horseshoe question about Boogaloo. that. Uh, I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I must choke them all water. Or shoot boogaloo. So guys, yeah. anyone got anything new going on in their in their world? Anything awesome in your life? Well, I, I mentioned off air that uh I'm getting my first uh Fauci ouchie on Tuesday. I'm getting round one of the corona vaccine. And I'm very excited about it actually. Nice. Because I need, I need a little bit more freedom. I know. I need a little bit more freedom in my life. I'm not going to go run around naked with no mask on, but um, because yeah, that would horrify the neighbors. You know it, <laughs> exactly. But I need to be able to venture out every now and then. I, it's, you know, I'm going on a year since I've been in my office at work. Not that I'm going back, but um, this is a good first step. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, Glad guys, you made my- it. My yeah. venture into uh, Bitcoin is now draw. I've lost forty eight cents. Fucking <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> high roller. Hey, I, I hate that PayPal made so you can buy cryptocurrency on PayPal now. Because like I had to try it out, so I got the twenty dollar option, and I'm down to nineteen fifty two. I love it. Have you heard about this Dogecoin thing? The dog. Yeah. Yeah. Dog it's all. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it, it started yeah, off at less than a penny. It's up to six cents now, and the goal is to drive it to a dollar. So if you buy in at six cents, you get up to a dollar. You know, you could do something with that. I'm just saying, even if it's only some beer money, you know, yeah, if you're investing something that's not going to cost you. What's I'm that? Using, I'm using PayPal for this, so I can't. Like, I, I got Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin, you're limited. Yeah. Ethereum, Ethereum, or Bitcoin Cash. Which oh, apparently okay. Using Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So what the fuck is a cryptocurrency? Like, can somebody give me the the fucking cliff notes of this? Like, I don't get it. Like, what? Uh, Apparently, it's money for nerds. 
So I, I don't really know, but like, it's some kind of money that like goes up and down in value very fast. Huh. <laughs> That's all yeah, I know about a, it. And you can get it with PayPal. It's electronic currency. I don't know much about it either, but it's an electronic currency. It's sort of like the digital age's gold standard. You know what so I mean? Yeah. Like people used to deal in the can gold standard. Like, they deal in this now. Right. Can you like transfer it into like freedom dollars or like what? Yeah, you can cash out just like a stock. My, that's okay. my understanding anyway. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. cash out. Um, I, I just, it's actually kind of fun now to just watch it and see if it goes as it goes up and down. Yeah. I mean, I mean and it's very volatile. It's extremely it, volatile. It goes up like and down. It's like gambling for people who don't want to actually make bets. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's also like another one of those things that it's just, I think it's too late to get into. Like, yes. you know, if you yes. would have got in early, you know, like a, there's people talking about with this, this dog, uh, I don't yeah. even know if I'm saying it right. I'm like, oh yeah, I got some of that like five years ago. I got 52,000 of them, you know, right. for a penny or whatever. It's like, okay, well, you're going to do good. I don't know the first thing about this stuff. There's, there's like farms dedicated to it and stuff. It's just, I, I don't understand any of it, man. Apparently on Reddit you can like uh, buy GameStop. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on with it, but somehow GameStop oh, yeah. is like worth a shit ton of money or something. I'm just gonna keep burying my money in my backyard. <laughs> it'll, it'll it'll reproduce there. Come take it. Anyway, <clears throat> what, are we, what are we? What's new? Uh, let's see. I have sickness, not the Rona. <laughs> Thank goodness. But yeah. No, that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a good old uh, sinus infection and uh, ear infection. So. Oh man, I'm in a great mood. <laughs> well, I hope you're excited about talking for two straight hours. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> At least. <laughs> a double ear infection, sinus infection, uh, diarrhea, crazy. Let's dive in. Hey, Will, didn't so, you get a promotion? No, no, no. I, well, it's. I don't know, man. It's a fucking mess. I'm not sure. Now, there's choices to be made upcoming. Choices to be made. Fair enough. Yeah. On that note, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. 1879. The Civil War is over, and the resulting economic explosion spurs the Great Migration West. Farmers, ranchers, prospectors, killers, and thieves seek their fortunes. Cattle drovers turn cow towns into armed camps with murder rates higher than those of modern-day New York or Los Angeles. Out of this chaos comes legendary lawman Wyatt Earp, retiring his badge and gun to start a peaceful life with his family. Earp's friend, John Doc Holliday, a southern gentleman turned gunman and gambler, also travels west hoping the dry climate will relieve his tuberculosis. Silver is discovered in Arizona. Tombstone becomes queen of the boom towns, where the latest Paris fashions are sold from the backs of wagons. Attracted to this atmosphere of greed, over 100 exiled Texas outlaws band together to form the ruthless gang recognized by the red sashes they wear. They emerge as the earliest example of organized crime in America. They call themselves the Cowboys. And there we go. That's the start of Tombstone. Uh, that is the legendary Robert Mitchum doing the narration. Uh, they had him do that because he was originally supposed to play uh, Pa uh, Clanton 
Ike Clanton's father and Billy Clanton's father, who was also a ruthless prick. Um, but he got hurt, and he couldn't do it. So they had him narrate that instead. Fell off a horse. So they, they wrote him out of the script and had him narrate it. He was happy to do it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, today we're going to talk about Tombstone. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, it's probably top 10 for me, top 15. Um, absolutely love it. I may have seen this movie more than most any other movie or, you know, almost any other movie I, I, I like or watch whenever it's on, the channel stops and I watch it. Um, so that's why I'm doing it anyway. It's a selfish thing, but I, I think everybody digs this movie as well. Uh, before we get into the story, a couple of quick things, because there is some behind the scenes stuff that went on in this, uh, with this movie. Um, it was written by uh, Kevin Jarre, who actually wrote, uh, the movie Glory, which is an amazing movie. He wrote the 1999 movie The Mummy, uh, Rambo 2. But he, he had a bad reputation in Hollywood, and it bit him in the ass a few times. Um, th things just didn't work. He didn't click with the cast, uh, the, the producer, and uh, they had to let him go. And um, it turns out that Kurt Russell um, basically ghost-directed this movie uh, to make it work. Um, what he did was he, he spoke to... Uh, to Stallone, uh, who had a similar problem with the same writer and director in Rambo 2 and ended up doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, he hired a, uh, a director named George uh, Cosmatos, um, who he was basically, you know, he was there to just do what Kurt told him to do. You know, um, Kurt Russell would show up at night with the scene shots for the next day and explain to George how he wanted it done. And uh, George did it. And it worked because the movie's great. So I got no problem with it in the end. Um, you know, it's basically a lesson in don't be a dick <laughs> and you'll keep your job. So, you know, uh, not a bad thing. Uh, so after that narration, um, by, again, the great Robert Mitchum, we get a shot of the aforementioned cowboys uh, sort of riding, you know, through the, through the desert towards the camera. And then the title, Tombstone comes up across the screen. Um, we see them enter a town, a, Mex a town in Mexico. Um, you know, they show some scenes, you know, some cuts in, the, in this scene with uh, the local inhabitants of this town uh, setting up for a celebration. It's a wedding. It uh, looks like uh, one of the federales, one of the Mexican police, married the love of his life, and they're ready to celebrate. Um, as they exit the church after the, the uh, nuptials, um, they're confronted by a group of the cowboys. Uh, it's led by Curly Bill. Uh, Curly Bill Brocious. He is the leader of the gang. Um, that's the great Powers Booth. It's a nut, he's another great character actor. Um, you know, I mean, he's done a, a ton of movies. Red Dawn and uh, Sin City. Um, he was in the Marvel Universe. He played one of the, you know, the quote powers that be uh, that uh, everyone had to answer to. So it's a very recognizable voice and, and, and physically imposing person. Um, you know, he's the leader. So uh, he he's sort of introduces his powers. <laughs> All right. We're not going there. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, Ask yeah. me who my first favorite powers is. Uh, it's, it's Kenny fucking powers. That's who it is. Of course Candy it is. fucking powers. That's right, baby. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, you know what? I don't have much of a problem with that. Kenny Powers is a cool dude. Um, Hell yeah. 
so yeah, he, uh, you know, it's funny. I love the way Powers Booth plays this character. He, he's, he's almost never not happy, you know, w- w- in whatever he's doing, yeah. whether he's drinking, playing cards, or killing people. He's always happy. He's got this little chuckle that he does with his tongue half sticking out, you know, and everything's a game to him. Everything's fun, um, as ruthless and deadly as he is. Uh, so, you know, Powers Booth, he definitely, he, he definitely did that right. If that was his idea, kudos to him because uh, he did it right. Um, so he holds up a couple of red sashes, uh, you know, that, again, as uh, Mitch mentioned, they are the, uh, the sort of the signature of the Cowboys. Uh, holds them up, and, you know, he mentions that y'all killed two Cowboys. Um, that doesn't go well with the, that group. Um, as soon as he says that, uh, they start shooting, all of them. And, again, to, almost to a man, <laughs> they're all enjoying this. They're gunning down these Mexican police. They're dropping like flies. It's a complete massacre, and they are hooting and hollering and laughing and shooting. And, uh, you know, there's really not much redemption in this bunch. Um, They just like doing what they're doing. Um, So Curly Bill, he decides to introduce himself to the the remaining soon-to-be-dead people, Um, you know, and he just lays it out and says, I'm what you might call the founder of the feast. you know, he uh, he lets them know he started it all. They all listen to him. And, uh, you know, if you cross him, you're fucked. That's the bottom line with it. Um, the cool thing about this movie that I dig is there's so many recognizable faces uh, as far as actors and actresses yeah. go. Um, a lot it's of a lot of actors. Insane act- cast. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it, it's uh, it's like Band of Brothers. If you watch Band of Brothers, um, the, the number of actors that got their start in that series, it's the same thing here. You know, some of these actors were established, but others were new or early in their careers. But Michael Bean from from Terminator and Aliens. Um, who else do we got? We got Stephen Lang, great character actor, Avatar, uh, and and the, the list goes on with with, with him. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church from Wings, uh, love that dude. He's a great character actor. He's been in a bunch of movies, Sideways, and We Bought a Zoo, things like that. Uh, John Corbett. Let's, who let's is, not forget the uncredited Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, yep, we'll get to him. When I was we'll get watching to him, that, but yeah. I was like, is that Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, and then yeah like, that's I can't tell either, man. I went that's to look kinda, up, I was like, well, he's not on the IMDb, but that was clearly yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, no, it was. He, that was kind of kind of out-of-shape tubby uh, Billy Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a couple of years before he wrote the screenplay for, um, for uh, uh, Sling Blade. So he was very up and coming. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, that, again, that's, that's part of the mystique of this movie for me is that, you know, so many recognizable faces. It's crazy, you know. So, um, so yeah, Curly Bill introduces himself. I was himself excited as, to see uh, Michael Rooker. Right. I and was Mike, excited exactly. to see Dana Delaney. Yeah, Dana Delaney's, that's good. I'm glad they used her. Um, but, yeah, Michael Rooker, too, you know, another one. He was in there. He was the only yeah, one. Michael Rooker. And, and we get to this throughout the movie. He was the only one that wasn't taking joy in what was going on. He was already having seeds of doubt in his head. And we'll, we'll explore that a little further down, down, down the road. But um, he was the only Mary one. Poppins, that, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, Curly, Bo- Curly Bill introduces himself again as the founder of the feast, um, the priest uh, who's still alive at this point. Um, he goes off in Spanish. Basically, no one understands what he's saying, um, except Florentino, the the basically lone you know Latino or Mexican from from in the crew. 
but as we learn, his uh, Spanish is worse than his English. Um, the priest lays out <laughs> his intentions and basically he's cursing these men to hell um, in a biblical sense. Um, but Florentino, he doesn't understand what's going on. He talks about revenge and, you know, a sick horse. And, you know, uh, we get our first glimpse of, of uh, Johnny Ringo, uh, the true psychopath of the group, uh, which will, you know, that'll come to light as, as we move on. Um, and he just, you know, he, he, he says, you ignorant wretch. I mean, you know, your, your, English, your Spanish is worse than your English. Um, so we're not quite sure, unless you speak Spanish, what, what the priest has said yet. Um, so some of the cowboys grab the bride who's still alive, and they bring her off into the church, and we know what's going on there. Though not long after she's in there, there's a gunshot. So it might have been quick, but, you know, these guys are animals. There's no question about it. Um, so they sit down to eat the feast that was intended for the celebrants of, of this wedding. And, you know, the, the cowboys are hungry. They start diving in. Um, the priest comes back for more, and he starts in again. And Johnny Ringo demonstrates his psychopathic uh, tendencies and just immediately shoots him in the head. He doesn't even give him a chance. Um, this even shocks Curly Bill. And that's surprising. <laughs> like, everybody's shocked by this. Um, not that they wouldn't kill a priest, but just with the cold-bloodedness that, that Johnny does this, um, sort of takes them all back a bit. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely ruthless, you know. Um, that whole scene reminds me of something that would have been in an episode of Westworld, like season one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it was in a way. You know, the massacre uh, is similar to that. Um, it's just a, you know, a, a bloody massacre in, in this case. And, you know, the intention of, of it, it, the writer and, and in this case, you know, Kurt Russell and the director was to just demonstrate the absolute, you know, uh, amoral code of the Cowboys. You know, they this is what they did. This is how they got jo- the job done. You know, uh, and, and the, just to be clear back then, cowboy doesn't mean the same thing it means now. No, and what we think of as cowboys were actually cow hands back then. Right. Cow, yeah, cowpokes are, yes, exactly. A buckaroo was more of, a, of what they were, but they, they used the term cowboy. Um, so at this point, uh, Curly, Bill, Curly Bill, he wants to know what that priest said to him. Um, so he asked Ringo to translate because Ringo, we're learning quickly, is a very learned man. Um, so Joe, roll it. Hey, Johnny. What that Mexican mean a sick horse is going to get us, huh? Quoting the Bible. Revelations. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. So so basically that's that's a a, um, a reference to the apocalypse, the four horsemen. Yes. The, exactly. The pale horse was the one ridden by death. Death being the leader of of which would have been horsemen. accompanied by pestilence, war, and famine. Yes, yep. Uh, which, but in, the majority of that I learned from reading Good Omens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, the thing, the, the thing about that, it's 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 obviously a you know a straight up foreshadowing of, of what's to come for for the Cowboys. Um, you know, it, it, there's. You know, we're not beating around the bush when we say this movie is a bit heavy-handed <laughs> in its foreshadowing and its indication of things to come. And I, I have no problem with that. You know, it, it, it's it's fine with me. But yes, 
it's they beat you over the head with some of their you know some of their indications and and yeah it's all good in the end um so i'm so, not big on terminology in my brain but is this a horse opera a spaghetti western <laughs> what would this what would this be classified as uh yeah this is I, <laughs> let's call it a horse opera all right it's definitely not a spaghetti western right. that's a completely different animal um yeah, I don't know the differences in these things. I just want to know which one this would fall into. All right, the yeah, this being. this is this is a horse opera. We'll go with that, Joe. <laughs> All right. I like horse opera. That just sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I can imagine a theater with like a bunch of horses sitting in there, and then there's like one horse dressed like a Valkyrie going like, oh, 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 oh. like that's what a wow. horse opera seems like to me. <laughs> okay, you're right. I think you nailed it. We're on to something. Get, get the pens out. We're writing the screenplay. They, they vote. They're like, did you guys like that? And they're all like, no. And they're like, the nays have it. <laughs> this is almost as bad as the pedophile. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you predicting the future? Because that's next episode. Oh, yeah. That's true. Right. <clears throat> there may or may not be a reference. Stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so as Johnny Ringo fi- finishes that translation, uh, we hear a train ris- whistle. And uh, it transitions to... A train arriving in the uh, train station at Tucson, Arizona. Um, and, again, this goes directly to what Johnny said about, you know, uh, you know, hell coming with him. Because we, we watch a pair of legs, you know, stroll down the train steps, and it pans up. And, you know, we've, we've got Kurt Russell in, in, in all his handlebar mustached glory, um, you know, looking stoic as Wyatt Earp. Um, he's on to his next big adventure, and he's excited about it. Um, Okay, I so I've spent a majority of my adult life thinking and totally shitting on Kurt Russell about this role. <laughs> because, I was going to ask you, yes. And, you know, having watched it twice through in preparation for this, uh, it's really not as bad as I remembered it being. Okay. Like, I, I don't All know right. why. Like, I mean, I mean, was it great? No. But... I. I feel like I give it more credit now. I give him more credit nope. now for his portrayal of the role. And I will say, if you look historical photos, he's actually fairly close. Like it does. It's definitely he does. there. He does. And so. honestly, it's funny, uh, Will. You saying that watching it back now. So I mean, again, I, I, I I'm not joking when I I say I've watched this movie at least fifty times. All right, it's ridiculous, but I I have. But I watched it two times this week. Okay. And I can more respect your opinion after watching it and, and, you know, interpreting it and analyzing it because I likened it to, and again, thinking about what you had previously when we had conversations about Kurt Russell, I likened it to um, Hamilton, right? If you watch Hamilton, the weakest link in Hamilton is Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The guy who created it is the weakest link performance-wise. He's good. He's very good, but he doesn't hold a candle to the rest of that cast. He knows that. He's admitted it publicly. Kurt Russell was the same. He might be the weakest link in a great movie, but okay. that's not to say he's a weak link. He's just not the strongest performer in this movie. Um, I've got a special place in my heart for Kurt because growing up you know, as a late 60s, early 70s Disney kid, he was the golden boy of Disney. I mean, the movies that he right. was in and the TV shows that he was in. So... Again, with me, there's a lot of nostalgia with movies. They're touchstones in my life. So, you know, he's an important touchstone in my life in that sense. 
But I get it. I get what you're saying. He's he is possibly the weakest link in this movie. Not to say he's a weak yeah. link, but you know, he, this this isn't my favorite Western movie he's in either. Okay, which one? The Hateful Eight. Mm. Yeah, I don't His know. Come on, that. he actually plays that. He plays the yes. In that movie. He was great in it. He was great. He in that does. Movie. He does. Well, he's, uh, a, he's like, mature. I'm not a Kurt Russell hater, man. Like I like Kurt. No, no, Russell. no. I, I, I get thought, it. Oh, I, I get like, it. I like him in this too, but he plays the character better in that movie because he's grizzled. I agree. And he's got more years on him. Mm. Well, he's matured as an actor now, too. I'll, I mean, I'll say for. I'll say for my money, Val Kilmer stole the show for me in this oh, movie. I never, I never watched this before. This is my, this is my first viewing of Tombstone. Wow, oh, yeah. and uh, oh, really? and and my Val Kilmer experience is is pretty limited. You know, now right. that I'm thinking about it. For me, growing up, it was uh, his turn at Batman. Yeah, right. which was you know yeah. what what it was. Um, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> very shitty. Top he <laughs> did what he could with that. But man, like yeah. the the acting chops on this cat in this yeah. movie, and I'm sure you know Doug's going to go into it, but. Just the the mannerisms and the you know the flu- the sweat the tuberculosis like exactly come on, blew me away Valcom exactly he reminded what's funny ahead. is he reminded me of someone else and I can't think of who it was like the entire time I'm watching him like now it's probably someone else playing like him but you know I, I would say Johnny Depp like he had shades of Johnny Depp going on in this role did you watch yeah. the Umbrella Academy yeah yeah. The, yeah, the guy that was like the drug addict guy in that show. Yeah, he kind yes. of reminds me of. Oh, he could. That, if they did a remake, he could be. He yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, because the, you know, Val Kilmer, he lent a sophistication to the role, which was needed because the the real, you know, Doc Holliday, the real John Holliday was. I mean, he was a dentist. He was well educated. He was a Southern man, and and Val Kilmer delved into that. He really researched Doc Holliday. You know, fortunately, there's a ton of material on the guy. Um, and and what he did with this role is absolutely amazing. And but funnily enough, that role almost went to Willem Dafoe. Oh, that would have been terrible. Ooh. It, hey, it would have been, been awful. And the reason, the only reason that he was not cast is the movie studio because the Passion of the Christ came out right before this flick. Yep, and this and was a Disney movie. Exactly, the movie studio said, "No way, we are bringing that controversy into this movie. It's not happening." And he was squashed, and then they brought Val Kilmer in. So, luckily enough, because it, the movie would have fell apart. I'm sorry. Yeah. It would not have been the classic that it is. It, and I love Willem Dafoe. It's just not his thing. No, this, this particular like, role this was not was his thing. For, like, no one else could have done this and done it justice. I would exactly. like to say, like, in reference to Kilmer's performance as a native Tennessean, his southern accent's a little bullshit. Uh, it's yeah, supposed be, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a Georgia aristocratic type, uh, right? Yeah, but right. He, I mean, I understand what he's going for, but I mean, I, I know yeah, people yeah. who actually talk like that, right? It's it's shitty. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it, I respect that, I do. Uh, but yeah, he he's the coolest in this movie, um, and obviously I'll I'll gush about him as we go on. He, he does have, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, but he does have one of my favorite lines in any film ever in this yes. movie. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, what else is a cool bit of trivia is all of the mustaches are real. They all grew the mustaches out for this movie. Nice. Except for uh, Behan. Uh, yeah, because he uh, came from another movie where he had just shaved or something. He was he was, he was going to start production on another movie while this was still going, and he, yeah. he couldn't do that, so they gave him a fake mustache. 
And uh, this but, movie is the reason Sam Elliott has his mustache. He kept the mustache after this movie because he yes, liked the way it looked so much. And that is, it is iconic. It, it dwarfs all of all of the mustaches ever grown. That is a man's <laughs> By mustache. anybody, living, dead, real, or, or fictional. Okay, um, it's him. It's Sam Elliott. I can't imagine that man without a mustache. But um, so yeah. So uh, you know, Wyatt steps down off the train. He's looking around, surveying the land uh, again, excited about his new adventure. He's retired from peacemaking and marshalling, and he's got a new endeavor he's going he's gonna to set forth on with his brothers. Um, we, get a look, we get a look into his, his mindset when he sees his horse being mishandled by some dumb handler. It's whipping him with a big rolled-up piece of cloth. Um, he grabs the guy. He grabs the, the, the cloth, and he whips him with it and says, Hurts, don't it? <laughs> And uh, tells him to go away. And then he takes care of his horse. Uh, it's just the man he is. He's no nonsense. Um, he writes wrongs when he sees them. Um, in real life? Yeah, not so much if you read some stories about <laughs> Wyatt Earp. He was a bit of a prick. Um, he was a cheater. He cheated at gambling. Uh, you know, he ran a lot of brothels. He did some unsavory stuff in real life. Uh, he, 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 ran a lot of, he ran brothels in tandem with being the town marshal. Yes, exactly. It was a pretty business lucrative. Town. Yeah. It was transactional. It was completely transactional with him, uh, as it was with a lot of these characters in real life that you read the background on. Uh, so, yeah, he's not, the, he's not the golden boy, virtuous uh, individual that, that's portrayed in this movie. But you know something? It's all good because all they said is based on a true story. So you can do anything you want. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he immediately gets approached by, by two men. Uh, they're U.S. Marshals. Uh, it's Crawley Drake, um, played by Gary Clark. He was a great Western character actor. I, you know, not somebody I'd know if I didn't look it up, but uh, he was in a ton of Westerns. It's just what he did. He fit the role. He was good in it. And uh, Ed Bailey, who's Frank Stallone. I always laugh. I know Frank Stallone just makes me laugh because <laughs> he, yeah. he, he had a career or has a career because of his brother. Uh, good for him. I would have done the same thing. Um, so he's <laughs> oh, in yeah. this and. You know, he's out of his element. You could look at that guy. And he's Frank's out of his element in this, but he's trying to keep up. But whatever. He's not going to ruin the movie. Um, so they're looking to recruit Wyatt. Um, you know, they, 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 they know his reputation. Everybody knows Wyatt Earp's reputation. But he shuts them down, like, instantly. And he does this, he does this for the first half of the movie to anybody who asks. He just shuts them down before they even get a word out. Um, you know, it, it's... It is a cool line, you know. The 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 Mister Mr. Drake, he's like, well, you know, um, I never saw a rich man didn't wind up with a guilty conscience, and um, you know, Wyatt's response is beautiful because all he says is, "Look, I already have a guilty conscience. Now I want the money." Um, so you know, he, he makes his he makes his intentions known. You know, it's it's real simple. Um, so then we, you know, we see uh, Virgil and Morgan Earp, um, and they're you know they're on their way to meet meet uh their brother wyatt because uh, they're going to do this adventure together um it turns out in real life there were two more earth brothers that uh, didn't make the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. there was yeah. there was there was a younger brother uh um warren and there was an older brother uh james the oldest he was older than uh, than virgil um they both participated in the uh revenge ride that takes place in this movie uh not in the movie but in real life they were part of that crew that hunted down the cowboys uh, no, but they, one of them was eating a sandwich during the shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They didn't make they didn't make the cut. So that's all right. Um, so, yeah, we see Virgil and Morgan. 
uh, you know, two of the other Earp brothers, they see they see Wyatt, and you know, it's handshakes and hugs all around. They're so happy to see each other. They're so excited. Um, you know, we meet the ladies uh, in their life. Um, so uh, Virgil's wife, Allie, is played by uh, Paula uh, Malcolmson, who is in so many things. Like she, she was actually in Deadwood. Um, with uh, Powers Booth. Uh, she was in Ray Donovan, Sons of Anarchy, ER, Hunger Games. She's been in a ton of stuff. Um, I love her as, a, as an actress, um, especially in Ray Donovan, uh, fantastic actress. So this is one of her first roles, I think first or second role as, a, as an actor. Uh, so we meet Wyatt's wife, Maddie, and we immediately see she has some issues. Um, you know, everybody else is really happy. She's nervous and twitchy and... You know, we quickly come to find out that she's got uh, a, a bit of an addiction to laudanum, which is, um, I, I looked this up. I kind of knew what it was. I know it was an, it was an opium, uh, but apparently it, it includes all of the opium alkaloids, including morphine and codeine. <laughs> so this stuff packed a punch and it was very addicting and she, it had her hooks in her big time. Um, this is based on the truth, apparently. She was addicted to it, and uh, she did eventually in her life die of an overdose because of it. Um, she was so, his third wife? Yeah, at that point, she was his third, yeah. And, and he was only in his 30s. So when we first meet him, he's about 30, 31. Uh, so he'd already been married three times uh, by like, that sounds age. Sounds like Will. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Ding, ding. You are correct, yeah. sir. Um, so once you get past two, you might be the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying after, after the second failure, there's a common denominator there. Exactly. So, uh, we come across what I'll tag is some of the corny scenes in this movie. Uh, I understand why they're there, but I could have done without them. Uh, the entire crew, you know, or Wyatt realizes they're standing in front of a store window and you can see the entire crew's reflection in the window. Yeah, I hate that. I'm like, it's very, it's forced. It was too forced for me and it's corny. Um, That's my problem with it. Uh, It's funny because that's the issue. All of the emotional scenes in this movie, as far as male, female relationships are forced and awkward. But they just fucking blow off like the end of, of his marriage like i know it's just I like know. it's a footnote at the end of the movie exactly exactly so you know oh, Maddie died i agree of a drug I mean, yeah well that's because he's hanging out with freckle canyon right <laughs> <laughs> my wife you know? my wife was asking me what this movie was about and i was like oh it's about this uh like once uh sheriff type guy trying to justify cheating on his wife for exactly. an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, with this, you know, this hot redhead with the freckle canyon. It's it's definitely a women as canyon. ornaments. Uh, it's definitely a women as ornaments movie. You know, it's a guy's movie. Um, I'm sorry, man. Freckle Canyon got me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they're looking in the reflectionist window, and everybody's smiling except Maddie. She's still, like, Twitchy and nervous, and she's just not happy to be, you know, alive. Basically, she got the meth mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and they're all thanking Wyatt for for putting this all together, so they can make their fortunes. Um, they're gushing over Wyatt for doing this. Um, so we we quickly get our first reference to his friend Doc Holliday, um, played by Val Kilmer, as we mentioned. Um, you know, they, he him and Virgil are talking, and you know. You know, Wyatt just says, I missed that old rip. And, uh, you know, because 
it's funny. Back then, you lost touch with people more, not permanently, just because, you know, there's really no way except with Telegraph to get in touch with them at that point. Um, Virgil drops the comment, you know, like I said, White, White says he misses him. Virgil says, I don't. Because um, Virgil's a little older. He understands, you know, the volatile nature of, of Doc and what he can do to people, uh, I guess. He doesn't hate him, you know. He's still a friend, but he's wary of him. Um, again, a nice transition. Doc is mentioned, and then we meet Doc for the first time. Uh, he's playing poker with the marshals who had approached White earlier. I think, I know Bailey's there, so Frank Stallone is there. I'm not sure if the other guy is the same actor. It's hard to tell. But let's just assume that it's the two marshals. They're sitting down in town there. Uh, it's not Tombstone. They haven't gotten the Tombstone yet. I was going to say, I uh, thought this was a different town because, like... It could be Tucson. Like, it, it could be. I don't know, but it's definitely not... It's not because obviously the end of the scene that we'll, I'll describe, they got to vamoose. They got to get out of there. Which um, they, so they take their time vamoosing. They do. I, it, it's a cocky arrogance. It's a cocky it's a arrogance. Slow, it's a slow and, vamoose. And he doesn't like yeah. take their guns, so it's not like they can't no, just come I know. Out and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so we see Doc playing playing uh, poker with these dudes, and uh, we meet his partner in crime, Kate. She is uh, known <laughs> in real life. Uh, her uh, Katie Elder, Kate Fisher, Big Nose Kate. Her real name, because she was, I believe, Hungarian, is Maria Isabella Magdalena Haroni. You know, she she had a bunch of names. She was a prostitute that Doc uh, consorted with. Um, a very transactional relationship between these two. They, they love each other as much as two people who don't know how to love love, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, everything is a transaction with them. They, they, they're making their money together. They're taking money from each other together. Um, again, reading the real-life stories about these two, and especially especially Kate, she was a mean son of a bitch. <laughs> There's no other phrase for it. Um, yeah, she's just, she wasn't a nice person, but they clicked, and uh, they were definitely partners in crime for a long time. Um, so the game... It's definitely a contentious poker game because Doc just keeps winning. Um, he's insulting them as they play, you know, just busting balls. I mean, because that's what he does. That's what Doc Holliday does. Um, it gets to the point where he loses and, um, and he wins. And, you know, Ed Bailey just fucking loses it. And he calls him a skinny lunger. And I remember seeing this the first time and then having to look it up. So Doc is referred to as a lunger many many times in this movie and it has to do with his condition he has tuberculosis um as mentioned in the in the opening narration that's why i moved to the southwest the dry air hopefully do his lungs good um so that was a common name back then for somebody who had that condition as they called him a lunger um so he calls him a lunger and <laughs> doc feigns you know that he's insulted but he doesn't give a shit um you know he goes he goes on to tease ed about oh we're not friends anymore <laughs> I don't know if I could bear it. Um, just busting his balls. It's awful. It's merciless, and it's beautiful. And that's why we instantly fall in love with Doc Holliday as a character. Uh, so Ed reaches for his gun. He claims he's, you know, without those guns, again, you're a skinny longer. Um, but, you know, Doc does have the guns, and he's fast. <laughs> so Ed reaches for his, and, like, Doc's got his two pistols out before Ed's even got his hand on, his, on the grip. Um, so, you know, Doc puts the pistols down. Ed thinks he's got the jump on him, and he bum-rushes Doc, and Doc stabs him. <laughs> he doesn't care how it gets done. He puts a knife in his belly. Um, you know, 
he, he and and also in vintage doc he cleans his knife off on ed's vest <laughs> before he puts yeah. it back you know he just wipes it off he gets the blood off there because he doesn't want to put it away dirty um so you know he, he walks away they you know kate's already scooping all all the money off the poker table because um, she's already they've got this plan from the start um they exit the the saloon and they grab all the money off i think it's a roulette table if i'm not mistaken but they grab the stacks of cash so i mean they're just robbing them blind and you're right. They are very nonchalant about this. Um, they, they just mosey on out. You know, they get on the horses and they're on their way. Uh, Let's not make out first. Yeah, that's true. They do that. They do Mon that. Kate, you don't have a bustle on. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> line. Now I know why you didn't have a bustle. Um, yeah. So it's uh, you know, like I said earlier, they vamoose. Uh, we we get out of there. Wait, um, bustle is definitely just panties, right? No, it's the thing that makes no. your ass look big. Yeah, no. it, it holds the dress up. It holds the fabric off the dirt. It keeps uh, the dress she, clean. She didn't need to bustle. She got the... the right. She got her own bustle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, so we, we now transition to a scene of the families in, uh, you know, in, in their wagon and on the horses. Uh, they're heading to Tombstone. So I looked it up. Tombstone's about 70 miles away from Tucson. So... I would imagine it would take at least three days to get there. So, you know, they just did that, this quick transition scene to demonstrate that it's going to take a while. They're going to have to stay over a couple of nights and camp out. Um, so they make it to town. They come into the outskirts of town. And I couldn't confirm this, but as they're entering town, two guys on horses blow by them really fast. From behind, they look like two characters we meet a little later on. This is Turkey Creek Jack Johnson and Texas Jack Vermillion. I think it's them, but they go by so fast. You know, White can't see them. They don't see him, and they just pass each other by. So in my head, it's those two because it makes it cool. <laughs> I don't know if you guys even noticed that, um, but it makes it cool for me. So um, they pass Boot Hill Cemetery. <laughs> There's a grave plaque in there that's actually, it's well, the grave plaque actually exists, but nobody knows if it's real or just placed there for tourists. But it says, "Well, they, there there is a real one, but the real one's somewhere else that they they copied the oh okay the All thing right. from it, and then they put a replica one there. But there is a real one that exists in another place. I can't remember where it was exactly, but there is a cemetery somewhere else that has that exact okay inscription on it. Yeah, so it says, "Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a forty-four, no less, no more." <laughs> so. They were comedians in the Old West. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody wrote that for poor Lester who got, who got gunned down. So yeah. um, they get now into town. All what, these so? epitaphs outside the Haunted Mansion at Disney. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's funny. You know, it's cool. Uh, I mean, Boot Hill, Boot Hill Cemetery is a tourist attraction at Tombstone. I haven't been there. I do want to get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I think it would be fun. The whole town, it's... It, it's a corny tourist attraction, but I definitely want to do it because of my love of this movie. Um, There's a Boot Hill in Daytona, also a cemetery. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. It's right okay. on the main drag. It's weird because, like, you go into Daytona, like, where all the bars are where they're doing, like, Bike Week and stuff. Right. And, like, there's this weird cemetery, like, just sitting right there in the middle of all the bars. And it's, like, huh. lifted up, too. It's, it's, like, huh. it's, like, raised, like, five feet off the ground. So are they, all gra- are they old graves or... Like, is it old? Older. Oh, okay. All right. I'll see if I can find a picture of it. In a, in yeah. Have you ever been there, Eric? 
No, no. I never heard of it. It's right on the main, like, drag there. I think there's actually a boot hole saloon there, too. Huh. huh. That's interesting. I'm sure it was a fairly common name I mean, yeah. for a cemetery I mean, back I'm, in the I'm Old West. I they and, did it, know. like, as a tribute, like, to the movie, too, probably. Yeah, that could be it. You're right. That could be. So Stevie Ray Vaughan song, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know what fascinates me about the Old West, man? I grew up, my mother was, like, obsessed. We watched Westerns, you know, went to, like, all these festivals and all this shit. And I'm, like, I was just surrounded by Old West stuff. It, the thing that, that boggles my mind is, like, the the point in history where these two, like, these things, these people that you know, live this life, this crazy ass, like brutal life really yep. kind of overlapped with relatively modern history. Yes. You know, like, yes. like Wyatt Earp died in the twenties in the late twenties and, exactly. and big nose Kate died in 1940. 40. Exactly. So, I exactly. mean, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, no, no, it, it, yeah, it, it's definitely a cool juxtaposition. I dig that. I, I completely dig that and understand it. Um, Ah, damn it! It's it's Pinewood Cemetery, but it's right across from Boot Hill Saloon. Oh, okay, all right. But like, it's literally like directly across the street. But it's this big ass cemetery. It's like right where the Bike Week everyone goes. Huh. Interesting. Huh. I guess I just saw the saloon and assumed that's also what the name of the uh, cemetery yeah. was. A lot of Freckle Canyons at Bike Week in Daytona. Oh God, so many Freckle Canyons. <laughs> <laughs> that's a band name. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Wyatt gets in, you know, they finally get into town proper. Uh, they're pulling up to, to the grand hotel. Um, and up walks, uh, the Cochise County Sheriff, John Behan. Uh, he's played by John Tenney. He's another character actor. It's been a lot of different things, you know, his face, but maybe not his name. Uh, he's the one we referenced who did not grow the mustache, uh, because he was in another movie at the same time. Um, so, you know, Wyatt's reputation, okay, once again precedes him. You know, Behan knows who he is. Um, he propositions him about becoming a peace officer, and Wyatt, Wyatt just he shuts him down again. Uh, you know, he talks about going into business. That's what he's here to do. He's here to make their fortune. Uh, Behan's eyes light up, <laughs> and then he, li- he lists his bona fides. Um, because besides being the sheriff, he's the tax collector. He's the captain of the fire brigade. He's the chairman of the bipartisan anti-Chinese league. <laughs> No. And the, uh, the he's uh, on the t- yeah he's on the town lot commission as well so he can he can get the he can get them three cottages for rent really quickly they'll clean them for free you know because he's such a nice guy um, we're gonna learn a lot about Behan and his underhandedness and ties to the Cowboys and I honestly think that when he asked Wyatt to sign up um, he was looking at it you know as much as a transaction and 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 a possible in the growing quote the empire as anything else he wasn't really. Because, you know, we'll learn later he really doesn't give a shit much about the law. Uh, he was just looking for some, uh, some, some help. And, again, if you look at Wyatt's real life, <laughs> he had no problem helping, uh, more so than in this movie. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then we meet, um, next scene we meet Fred White. He is the local marshal. He's the town marshal. Um, interesting thing about that, see, he's played by uh, Harry Carey Jr., who is no relation to Harry Carey, the Cubs announcer? That was um, my. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah I they, that they actually spell it. Find. They spell it different too. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Carey, the announcer, spells it C A R A Y. 
Um, but Harry Carey Jr., his father was Harry Carey Sr., who was a staple in the, the movie community for Westerns and such. Um, and, and this Harry Carey Jr. got into acting because of his dad. Um, and he did a lot of Westerns as well. Um, the funny thing is, it turns out that, that Fred White in real life was 31 at the time. He was not an mm -hmm. old man. Yeah. Um, you know, but they decided to go old for whatever reason. I don't understand why, but, you know, it's cool. Fred's a cool guy. Um, you know, he, uh, he starts telling, you know, Wyatt and, and, and the crew about uh, the Cowboys. You know, they basically run the town because you can see them with the red sashes. You know, there's a few of them out there. Uh, Two of them are talking with Behan, so we see the first interaction between Behan and, and the Cowboys. So we know they're in, they're in cahoots. Um, and his comment sums it up. You know, he says the plain fact is the Cowboys are good for business. Uh, they bring money into the town, helps the town flourish and grow, and people don't complain much. They let them pretty much do whatever the fuck they want. Um, so, you know, this uh, why it takes the opportunity to ask about the saloons in town because that's where the money's made. Uh, Fred describes how, how nice they all are, um, except for one, the Oriental. Um, it's a beautiful place, but uh, he just sums it up as being a slaughterhouse. Um, and, of course, you know, Wyatt hears that, and that's where he makes a beeline to because he sees opportunity because that's what he does. Um, he looks for opportunity when it's there. Um, he heads into the Oriental, and it's dead. There's a few guys in, in there we see people in the corner playing a table game. Um, he walks up and introduces himself to the, uh, to the owner, bartender, who laughs when he says he's Wyatt Earp. He doesn't believe him, um, which is sort of counter to everybody else who meets Wyatt, knowing who he is immediately. Um, so, you know, Wyatt asks about what's going on, and, and you know, Milt, the, uh, the bartender and owner, uh, describes the problem with uh, the aforementioned Billy, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Johnny Tyler. He strolled in there one day and took over. Um, he's a blowhard bully. Uh, took over the place and, uh, you know, started threatening people, probably killed some. And, uh, you know, no one stood up to him. So he took over the, the gaming and he takes the money and does what he wants. And no one wants any part of it. So as nice as the place is, they don't go near it. Um, so Wyatt sees him as nothing but a target and, and an easy target to eliminate. Um, he walks up uh, and just starts to stare down poor old Johnny Tyler. Um, he <laughs> Johnny gets up and he tries to, you know, tries his bluster on, on Wyatt and it doesn't work. Um, he just gets bitch slapped. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, and, and it, it's also cool. It turns out that Billy Bob Thornton ad-libbed that whole thing. Yeah. The thing about playing cards with my, my brother's kids and if you pick that queen again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick you up that wildcat's ass because there's a stuffed wildcat with his ass sticking out up on the wall. He ad-libbed that whole fucking scene, which was beautiful. And him and Kurt played off each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he looks at Kurt and he goes, he, he sarcastically says, I'm real scared. And Kurt's like, damn right you are. And Johnny's in his head going, oh, fuck. He knew he, knew he was done. Um, and Joe, you're right. He just he bitch slaps him. He bitch slaps him so bad. Um, yep. Three you know? separate times. Yeah, he th he 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 tries to goad him into pulling his pistol. You know, you you, you pull that smoke wagon. Are you going to pull that smoke wagon? Or are you going to stand there and bleed? And Johnny knows he's done. Um, 
Wyatt grabs him by his ear like a kid <laughs> and fucking drags him out of that place. <laughs> and you know, don't you come back ever. He's out the door. And then, you know, Wyatt looks, hey, Milt, how's 25% of the house take sound? So, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're in business. Um, that's the best part of this. It's very cool. And it's interesting. Farrow, I had to look it up. Um, it's a pretty easy game to get and, and understand, but it's definitely way in the house's favor. Um, they lay out one of every card, 13 cards, from ace to, to king. Um, and then they have a deck of 52 cards. And the players basically pick the card that's going to be flipped over next. Um, they place their bets on top of the 13, one of the 13 cards. And uh, the dealer draws two cards. One is a, the first is the losing card. And the second is the winning card. So if you put your money on the losing card, you lose. If you put it on the winning card, you win. Um, there's other nuances not worth getting into. Um, it's, you know, I, l- listen, I've been to a lot of casinos. I haven't seen it played. I don't think they do it anymore. But back then, it was an easy game to set up and play. Uh, so it was popular. Uh, and again, it was, it was heavily leaning towards the house as far as the, uh, the take goes. So, um, you know, that's what the people do. Um, where are we? Here we go. So uh, Wyatt, you know, and this is fortuitous that <laughs> this town's not big, but it's not small. But, you know, uh, the, the Earp brothers are walking by the Oriental just as Wyatt exits. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> so he's able to walk right up to him and uh, start telling him how they, you know, they got an interest in the game. Uh, so, you know, they're off and running. They're very excited. And now I'm going to throw out an obvious reference to a previous episode. As they're talking, a bunch of cattle run by and they're not on fire. <laughs> not a Filipino barbecue? Nope, no Filipino barbecue here. They are just running cattle. It was great. I was very pleased because I did not want to see any more burning cattle. Um, <laughs> Mars attacks, folks. Well, listen to the episode. It's worth it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> as they're walking and talking, we see behind them Johnny Tyler. He's got a shotgun. And uh, he's coming and coming and coming. They don't see him. Um, at the last second, <laughs> okay, they're stopping. He's ready to lift that shotgun, and out of nowhere, Doc Holliday comes to the rescue. Um, you know, he screams, "Why, Johnny Tyler? You madcap? Where you going with that shotgun?" <laughs> my 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 southern accent's worse than his. Well, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Johnny knows who Doc is, so he stops in his tracks. He's shitting himself again. Um, you know, he hasn't even cleaned the last shit from Wyatt, and he's shitting again on top of that shit in his pants. It's um, <laughs> a lot of shit. It's a lot of shit, all right? The Earps see Doc. Um, they're all happy to see him. I mean, even Virgil, he side-eyes him a bit when they shake hands, but you can see there's a little grin under that walrus mustache. He, he's happy to see him, you know? They, they, they're friends, and they like each other. Um, so, you know, they explain, they have a quick conversation about gambling, the difference between gambling and, and, and poker and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just very jovial, you know, conversation. And then they turn to see that Johnny Tyler's still standing there, dumbstruck with a fucking shotgun in his hand, because then he realizes who beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so that makes it even worse. There's even more shit coming out now, because it's wider. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it leads to this great line. Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. <laughs> That's a great line. It's so beautiful. And the reason I, I needed to play that is because I, I should have mentioned this at the start of the, the, the episode, but this movie is the most quoted movie in my house. My kids, they've all seen parts of it, 
my my older boys have watched the whole thing, and my old, all my boys have watched the whole thing. And my daughter, just by virtue of sitting with me on a Saturday, has probably seen the whole movie. So this is a line that is used in the house by all of us. Like when we're having a conversation and we want to stop that conversation <laughs> or just shut somebody down and be a prick, you may go now. Like it just gets dropped in my house all the time, along with like 10 of the lines in this movie. I can just see a bunch of like northerners trying to do a southern accent. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's but, worse than me trying to do a New York accent. Probably, but it's fucking funny. We, we, just, we absolutely roll with it. It's uh, Dad, great. With your, with your uh, thing going on like this, you can go now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it works. We all get a laugh out of it. We use it on the phone in our conversations now. You know, we'll finish the conversation. You may go now. You know, it's just, and it's if, great. If you guys keep listening to this episode, I have not yet begun to defile myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, just wait till I talk about Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> so. What I think is actually the best part of this scene is that they ask him to put the shotgun down, you know, before he goes. Just put the shotgun down. He doesn't know what to do with it. He tries to hand it to Wyatt. Wyatt goes, no, put it down. He puts it down on the floor, and he says, thank you. He's so (laughs) fucking shook. He thanks them for beating the piss out of him. Humiliating. I he literally spent 10 away. minutes trying to figure out if that was Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Because it's not it was, an IMDb. Like, they I know, I know. There and I'm like, I'm like yeah. God, that's Billy Bob fucking Thornton. I'm like, but he's kind of fat. I'm well, like, that's the thing. As he walks away, you really see the tubby. You see like, the pre cut like Billy Bob. Supply. Yeah, exactly. So he, yeah, thank you. And he walks away. It's, it's a. I'm, I'm like trying to like find this. I'm like, I want to see the sailboat. <laughs> He acted like me when I get pulled over by the cops. Yes, exactly. Like I get a ticket. I'm like, thank you. Thanking them for charging me money. Exactly. It's, it's thank great. Thank you guys for doing such a hard, difficult job. Be safe. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> Did so, I ever tell you all my, my story about my story? old truck and the police? Oh, God. I thought you were going to mention a cruise ship. Thank God. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I had a uh, taillight out in my truck. And... Um, I replaced it once and it just it just kept going out. Like so, I was like, "Fuck it." I'm like, "It's gonna be out." And then um, I started thinking about it and I was like, "If I get pulled over for something, I'm more likely, if I'm like polite to them, to get a ticket for like the taillight being out, which is just a go fix it and then you know you know you can throw away the ticket basically. You take it to the court and show that you've done the repair. Um, so what I would do is I carried extra bulbs in my glove box. And I told my buddy this, and he thought I was crazy. Like, I'm like, Luke, I'm like, look, if I get pulled over, I'm going to say, oh, I didn't realize my taillight was out, um, and I have extra ones here. I could replace it right now. But if I get pulled over for something else, you know, I'm going to gamble that there's a chance that I might be able to get out of the bigger ticket because I have the taillight out. So he kept telling me I'm a dumbass and I'm this and that. (laughs) So one day I'm going down the interstate. I'm passing the truck going about 90. And then, like, I was, the state trooper pulls me behind me. So I'm. I make sure my foot's on that brake as hard as I can because I want that brake light on. <laughs> the state trooper comes up, and I'm like, hey, sir, how are you doing today? And he's like, I'm, I'm good, man. He's like, you know how fast you were going back there? I'm like, I was trying to get around that truck. I'm so sorry, sir. Um, I apologize. I just I was stuck behind some semis, and I wanted to get around them. I should not have done that. And he, and he comes back to his get license reservation. comes back about three minutes later. He goes, I'm going to tell you what, sir. Since you didn't try to bullshit me, you didn't try to like lie to me or anything, I'm going to give you a, t- a ticket for your taillight being out. <laughs> so, 
as soon as like he was out of my sight, I called my buddy and said, you'll never guess what just fucking happened. <laughs> it worked. I was Woo. like, I can't believe this actually worked. I thought this was just, like, me, it. like with one of my stupid ass ideas that never works. <laughs> I'm like, it actually fucking worked. That's great. I like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. So Johnny, Johnny Tyler says thank you when he leaves. Tubby, tubby uh, Billy Bob. He's, he's gone. We don't ever see him again. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of the same scene, but uh, up walks, uh, you know, Marshall Behan. <laughs> and Wyatt, being a, the Joker, just, you know, being happy to see Doc and wanting to fuck with him. Uh, he introduces uh, Doc to Behan. <laughs> Um, be, you know, Doc. Doc has a a built-in aversion to uh, you know law officials. He just he he hates them. I mean, he's he's the antithesis of of a law of a law-abiding person. So uh, even not knowing who Behan is, you know, as a person, um, Behan tries to shake his hand and he doesn't even lift it. He goes, "Excuse me, if I don't shake hands." Um, he doesn't want to touch him. He doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, their their conversation. Uh, migrates to how sophisticated a town, how cosmopolitan um, Tombstone's becoming. <laughs> and, you know, Wyatt and Behan are talking about a racetrack, and, yeah, that's going to make us, you know, you know, more popular and more cosmopolitan. Next Francisco. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so, so Doc sort of tries to bring them down to earth and says, uh, come on, guys, this is nothing more than a mining camp. <laughs> and and yeah. it, he, was, he was more correct than they were. Um, in a lot of ways, but you know they're fighting it. Uh, yeah, and and Behan goes, you know, yeah, we'll be as big as San Francisco in a few years and just as sophisticated. <laughs> and you know, Doc smirks, and just as that happens, we are gunshots. Um, they all look up, and a, and, a, and a few guys spill out of the, one of the saloons. Um, one guy raises his pistol, the other guy says, "Don't do it," and he, the guy does it, and he kills him. Um, they all recognize uh, the two gentlemen. As uh, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson and uh, Texas Jack Vermillion, um, you know acquaintances of Wyatt and 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 uh, Doc and the whole crew, they all know him except Behan. Um, they come over and they introduce each other, and um, it's funny because at one point Doc Doc tells uh, Turkey, you know, better check your ear, Creek, and uh, he pulls his hat off and his ear is like he's missing a chunk. And that's because his ear really was mission a chunk. They, they used that uh, in the movie. Um, he had lost it in some kind of horse accident. Um, so, interestingly enough, the guy plays uh, Texas Jack Vermillion. Uh, where's his name? I want to give him credit, but uh, I'm not going to find it. He was actually the called the Buckaroo Wrangler for the movie because he was really <laughs> he was a he was a living old west dude in the sense that he embraced that lifestyle. So he was the basically a technical consultant, so that the cowboys and 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 everybody would act accordingly, act like someone would back then. Uh, so besides getting that role, he 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 doubled as that on set. So that was pretty cool. Um, Fred, you know, Marshall Fred comes over. Uh, he asks the two of them to hand over their guns. Um, they object a little bit, but not really. Um, you know, he's got to take them before Judge Spicer. Uh, just to clear the air. Um, that's how things were done back then. Uh, bring them for the judge. They have witnesses. You know, uh, Creek actually says, you know, it was a fair fight. We was legal. Um, and then, you know, ends the conversation ends with, with them handing over the, the weapons and just stating law and order. That's us every time. So, you know, as far as the old West goes, they were upstanding citizens. 
<laughs> as much as you could get. Um, you know, they made sure they paid attention to the rules. So uh, here's here's another you know one of my beefs and awkward scene just a just a forced scene. Uh, stagecoach rolls up in. Uh, there's a there's a theater troupe in the stagecoach, and uh, they're going to be performing in town. So they they roll up, and you know the door opens, and first out is the uh, fabulous Mr. Fabian, <laughs> played by Billy Zane. Um, Back to the Future, one of our previous episodes, he was in that. That was one of his first roles, I believe, his second role ever. Um, obviously, his biggest role is Titanic, uh, and, and he was the Phantom, one of the old comic book heroes. A uh, bunch of roles. Um, He's sort of blackballed from Hollywood now. I don't. I didn't bother looking up why, but apparently he's persona non grata now. He doesn't get many roles. Um, it was for being in the Phantom. Yeah, probably. It was so bad that that they said no more. That's it. Um, yeah. So he 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 exits the stagecoach, followed by Miss uh, Josephine <clears throat> Marcus, uh, Dana Delaney. I mean, yeah, Joe already said it. Dana Delaney. She's all right. Um, China Beach, <laughs> Desperate Housewives. Those eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's she's a natural beauty. She really is. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's in China Beach uh, back in the day, Desperate Housewives as well, and she's been in a ton of other stuff I haven't watched. Um, I happen to watch those, too. I like those shows. <laughs> um, here's an interesting thing. If you read about Josephine Marcus in real life, she was so not that person. She was a, a hustler and a cheat and um, a two-timer and a three-timer, um, she had, she led dual lives. She came and went, um, you know, we'll, I'll mention it now at the end of the, at the end of the movie, when we do our outro narration, uh, Mitchum mentions that they spent 47 years together and never left each other's side. And that is the, probably the most fictitious statement in the entire movie. Except um, when they, they were did spend other people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they did spend 47 years together, but uh, yes, there was a lot of that. Will you're right? Um, you know, they were both cheaters, serial cheaters. Um, they, you know, their their relationship was contentious and and volatile. Um, so you know, again, movie magic. Let's make it let's make it smooth and easy. That's fine with me. Um, it's just all a little forced. Um, so we, you know, they spot each other. Wyatt and Josie spot each other, and we get the first time that they lock eyes because that happens about. I don't know, 732 times in the movie <laughs> <laughs> where, where they just lock eyes and we know that's it. You know, they're destined for each other. You see the um, mustache wiggle and it's on. Yes, exactly. And, and it's funny because uh, Mr. Fabian and in his, in his all his acting glory, he, he just so romantically describes Wyatt, not Wyatt specifically, but Wyatt's type as he's both predator and prey because he's stoic and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Josie just states, I want one. And, and uh, Fabian's response is happy hunting because he already knows her. He knows what she's like. So he knows that the, the game is on between those two. Um, so we transition to the theater uh, where the, the, this troupe's performance is about to take place. Um, the Cowboys were all there, and they are they're in good spirits. <laughs> we'll say that. They're hooting and hollering and shooting guns and, you know, just busting balls and, you know, um, we see we got our first glimpse of uh, Billy Breckenridge, played by Jason Priestley. Um, this was his first like mid nine hundred two one zero role. Like he was at his height on TV. Everybody loved him, and this was his first role. It was a supporting role. He wasn't in the movie much, but uh, you know this was his pre race car crash B 
beautiful boy best look. <laughs> okay. Because he got a little fucked up when he crashed the car racing um, later on. Um, not in the movie, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, he comes strolling down, and the Cowboys are merciless. They <clears throat> tease the shit out of him because he's a bit effeminate. And, you know, back then that didn't fly. And they just, oh, they're so brutal to him. Uh, they're just not nice. But Curly Bill has a soft spot in his heart. It was like a fatherly thing for him. And he invites him to sit down next to him up front. And, you know, he sits down there and he's happy again. It's all good. Um, we see the Earps getting seated up in the balcony. Um, you know, Wyatt and Maddie get a seat. Um, they're waiting. And then uh, Doc and Kate show up. Um, Maddie apparently knows Doc um, and maybe Kate, too. It's funny. It's one of the only times in the whole movie she actually smiles, genuinely smiles. It's not forced or caused by, you know, being high on opium. Um, she, yeah, she smiles. She's happy to see Doc. She he shakes her hand um, or kisses her hand, and she smiles. Um, it's funny, though, in this scene that they're also establishing the fact that this relationship isn't going to last because Wyatt's not paying attention. She's standing up before, the, before Doc comes, and she's standing up, and, you know, the custom is for, for the gentleman to take off the lady's coat, and he doesn't even do it. She calls his name, and he realizes he snaps out of it and, you know, does it for her. But, you know, they're just, again, heavy-handedly setting this up that, you know, things are going to change. And it, it, it's a bit frustrating. It's just, again, the weak point of the movie for me. Um, before the show starts, they meet Mayor Klum, uh, played by Terry O'Quinn, who is John in... John Locke. Oh, my exactly. God. Yep, exactly. Eric, and, uh, Eric and my favorite TV show ever, uh, Lost. And Joe. And what? I fucking love Lost too. Oh, right. You do. Sorry. I apologize. We're, me and you were talking about doing right. a Lost ep- a cast. Or oh, we just maybe. Did episodes maybe, of Lost. Maybe, maybe we did talk about that. No, Joe, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Now, Will? It's I don't the, know about Will. It's the whole Eric is a brother from you another know, mother thing with it. me. I've <laughs> never seen it. Oh, God. All right. We'll help you there. We were even uh, talking about doing bonus episodes. No, you're Lost. right. Dude, he nailed me. Okay, I apologize. Relax. I love you. <laughs> I don't. I don't love you less. Really. I'm not your uh, fucking Maddie. <laughs> ah, there you go. Hey Josie, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm more of a Josephine. There you go. Um, yeah, Will. It's only 144 hour long episodes. Just dive in. You'll be oh. done in no time. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I've watched it three times. Yeah. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, he, he meets the mayor, and um, <laughs> we talk about him shutting it down because the mayor, the mayor approaches him, again, to maybe sign up and help the town out, you know, be, become a marshal. The mayor gets a, not even a word out, and he just looks at him and goes, not a prayer, and turns around. That's it. This guy's the mayor of the town, and he blows him off. He doesn't give a shit. He wants nothing to do with the conversation. Um, so, yeah, the mayor looks at the wife, and they're off. That's it. They're done. Um, the show starts, right? Curtain goes up, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Gilman comes out. He's a juggler. And, uh, and John Corbett, I believe, is Barnes. He goes, oh, I've seen Dr. Gilman. I've seen him at Bisbee. <laughs> he, he throws things. <laughs> or he catches things, yeah. I think. Yeah, he catches <laughs> things, yeah. And then one of the other cowboys, he, he stands up. He's one of the McLaurys. He stands up, and he says, hey, Gilman, catch this. And he shoots one of the pins out of his arm, <laughs> out of his hands. 
The guy goes yeah, scurrying that- off the stage. They're shooting at us for real. Uh, <laughs> that, that was super <laughs> fucked up. It was so great. It really was. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, the, and it shows you the total disregard for life that the Cowboys had because as good a shot as he is, he's going to so easily just kill the guy. <laughs> it didn't matter to him. You know, nothing would have come of it. Um, so he scurries off stage, and the, uh, the fabulous Mr. Fabian comes on. Uh, he's going to do a, uh, a speech from Henry V, uh, Shakespeare play Henry V, uh, the St. Crispin's Day speech. So he starts the speech, and one of the cowboys takes a shot at the pillar he's got next to him. But Fabian, Fabian flinches, but he just keeps going. He's an actor, and nobody's going to stop him from his craft. So, you know, he does it. And almost instantly, I mean, the cowboys respect that. They respect that he didn't back down from them in that sense. They all start hooting and hollering. They love this guy. Um, we notice instantly that, that little Billy Breckenridge especially loves Fabian. <laughs> he's, he's instantly enamored with the guy. Um, he's just staring at him, just, you know, soaking in his glorious acting. Um, absolutely has a thing for him. So, uh, you know, they go through the soliloquy <laughs> and um, – Curly Bill's comment, prettiest man I ever saw. <laughs> so they're all, they all know how good looking this guy is. They're all thrilled. Um, you know, and, 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 and things go well for the rest of the performance. It's very good. Um, so then a performance of Faust uh, starts. Um, it's about the, making a deal with the devil. Um, we get a quick insight during that performance as to how fucking gone how lost uh johnny ringo is uh mentally i mean we know he's a psychopath but he is a tortured soul and uh joe could you roll it for me please and what i do i take a deal and then crawfish and drill that old devil in the ass <laughs> how about you i already did it yeah. And you can hear that Curly Bill chuckle, that, that famous Curly Bill chuckle at the end of it, but Curly Bill's scared. Um, and later, later he'll vocalize that <laughs> as, to, as to his feelings on Johnny. Um, apparently that was fairly accurate. Like the actual Johnny Ringo was very like uh, dramatic yeah. with that yes. and threatened to kill himself a lot and had a and lot of may uh, have actually done that. There's, uh, there's, there's evidence to to suggest that he did kill himself um, and it didn't happen mm-hmm. the way that we thought but uh, yeah he, he was definitely a tortured soul you know so you would call him a psychopath and he is in the technical sense but he is he's, he you know it could have been schizophrenia it, it could have been any manner of you know bipolar any manner of mental illness but he had a lot of problems and that just that's that basically lets us know um, you know that he's definitely messed up um, you know, the, the performance ends and why it's, you know, the, the, the cast comes out and why it's very interested to find out who the devil is. Um, he probably knows already what he wants to see. Uh, devil comes out, takes off the mask, and, of course, it's Josie. And what do they do, boys? What happened? What do they do? They lock, lock eyes. eyes again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right? They see each other. Uh, and this time, Maddie sees it. So this is our first indication that, uh, you know, things are coming to it. There's some fuckery afoot. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the two of them lock eyes again for, you know, number 355 or whatever it is. Uh, We know there's a connection. Maddie sees it. And, you know, we're going to see where it goes. Um, (laughs) When he does see her, when Wyatt does see her, his comment is, I'll be damned. 
And Doc's response is, you may indeed, <laughs> if you get lucky. Um, so, you know, Doc knows what's going on, too. He knows it's going to happen. Um, uh, we get a little more in-depth than that in a, in a, in a few minutes. Um, so the crew's leaving the theater. Um, Morgan is, he's in a good mood. He's a very serene mood. He's, you know, he's got his God talk going, his spiritual talk. He's talking about the stars being so incredible and makes him feel insignificant, but that he's, you know, flattered that God would create him after creating that. And, um, you know, he goes to ask Wyatt what he believes and Wyatt don't want to give an answer. Um, he's confused. We don't know why, uh, you know, his answer is, do you believe in God? Or the question is, do you believe in God? He's like, "Uh, yeah, no, maybe, I don't know. Uh, you know, what happens when you die? Gives the same answer. He's very noncommittal. He doesn't want to get into it. Um, because, you know, at this point, it interferes with his, uh, his need to just make his fortune and live life. Uh, he didn't want to think about that stuff. Um, it creeps him out. So, you know, he, he doesn't pay attention. Um, we see Maddie dip into the laudanum again. Uh, you know, her, her addiction is full-blown. Uh, he, he chastises her a bit and that, he, you know, he wants her to see a doctor, but she'll have none of that because uh, she knows what will happen if she does. She'll get cut off. Um, so... They have a conversation about him needing to go to work. Um, Virgil gets dragged off by Allie, <laughs> saying, I'm going to be with my old man tonight. Um, you know, uh, Morgan's wife, I apologize to you, miss. I don't remember your name. <laughs> he, she goes off because Morgan's going to join Wyatt. Um, Maddie gives him, you know, some crap, rightfully so. Um, she just wants her to, she wants him to be with her. And he really... He doesn't want any part of it. He tries to correct it by saying, okay, I'll hang up for a while, but it's too late. She knows it's done, so she tells him to go. Um, you know, she heads home with the other with the others, and um, Morgan and Wyatt head over to the Oriental because they gotta they got to go to work. Um, we see a completely different Oriental now. It's packed so tightly that you can barely walk. Um, so, you know, th- that bad mojo's gone. Everybody digs the place, and... Uh, it's a place to party in Tombstone, apparently. Um, they're all there. Uh, Wyatt, he, he starts off by sitting at the faro table. Um, and he's got some poor schlub thinking he's winning everything. It's his lucky night. Um, wins a bunch of stuff, then puts it all down on a card. Uh, <laughs> drops some mining deeds down, and in one flip of the card, it's gone. So uh, Wyatt and the boys are now in the mining business as well. Um, because they're just cleaning up. They're doing exactly what they set out to do. Um, so him and Doc and Morgan end, over, end up over at the bar. Uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Doc, Doc's partaking of the alcohol, Morgan is, uh, but uh, Wyatt's having coffee. He's not a drinker. Um, I don't know how true that is in real life. I can't see that being the case, but it, you see this movie, they, he's the one guy that doesn't really drink uh, throughout the movie. So, uh, you know, they start having a conversation. You know, Doc is basically hounding Wyatt about his feelings for Josie um, and and Wyatt's refusing to bite you know they ask him w- what would happen if she walked in and he says I'd ignore her and neither of the two believe him but um, you know not two seconds later it happens <laughs> and uh, you know Doc laughs he snickers and uh, Josie comes in the crowd goes crazy just because of her recent performance um, she starts dancing. All the men want to dance with her. She's going from partner to part- partner dancing. Um, yeah. You know, she ends up in front of Wyatt and asks him to dance. And 
Wyatt turns around. He's, he does exactly what he said he'd do. He could, he'd ignore her. Um, so, you know, she nods her head, and Behan comes up to her, and they go off. And, uh, you know, Doc looks at him and goes, Wyatt, you're an oak. And, uh, or I stand corrected, you're an oak. Um, you know, so, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, so we're back at the, you know, we're still in the Oriental. Uh, Wyatt's back at the Faro table. Um, Fabian walks in to great applause, and, you know, Billy Breckenridge immediately grabs him. Can you come to my table? Because they want to have a conversation. So he's very excited to see him. Um, so, yeah, Wyatt's back dealing with Farrow, and the Cowboys uh, are there. So they come over to the, the Farrow table. Um, Curly Bill acknowledges knowing who Wyatt is. I mean, he, know, he knows he's the famous lawman. Um, Ike Clanton. <laughs> He's the Cowboys' little bitch. Uh, he's a bit of a pussy, but he, you know, he's a blowhard. He's sort of like Johnny Tyler. He's a blowhard who backs down at the first sign of trouble. Um, in real life, I don't know that he was like that. Um, in real life, Ike Clanton's dad, who who Mitchum was supposed to play, um, he he was one of the early leaders of the Cowboys before they were called the Cowboys. Um, and and Ike and his brother Billy, and there was another brother who wasn't in the movie. Um, you know, they they took after. And uh, and I don't know that he was that much of a coward. Uh, he you know, did, uh, from what I've read, he did run away during the OK Corral shooting. Yeah, he did because like he didn't. He it. he was unarmed. He he didn't have a gun, so I think it was a self-preservation thing. You know, I mean, Pussy. did he act like that? He could have. I don't know, but um, yeah. So it's possible. He's he's just he's a bitch in this movie anyway. But dude, you know, okay, gets, dude. Yeah, I don't know why. But it didn't. It had not occurred to me until rewatching this film who that guy was. Yeah, it's Stephen Lang. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I never remembered oh, Stephen okay. Lang from Tombstone. Yeah, well, you know what? He's a bit of a chameleon when you watch his roles, man. He, Dude, because he was he was uh, he was chubbier in this than like say Avatar, where he was cut and yeah. ripped. Um, and and he he can change with the wind for a role. He's he's good that way. So I watched um, that the one season of that damn show Terra Nova, and I thought it was fucking yes. awesome. And then oh, they canceled yeah. it. I know, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, yep, I agree. Now I uh, it was such a I cool see, fucking idea. I saw that he um, when making this movie didn't drink any water and only drank as much tequila as he could, so he'd actually be very, very much. Play, good at playing this role, like very authentic. Oh, there you go. Okay. Huh. And then when he went to do his next movie and he sobered up, he actually had they he got like sick from like the he got the DTs, the, yeah, the, the yeah the detox on it. Yep. Wow. Well, that's commitment to a role. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, he, so I mean, I gets in, I gets in, uh, in in Wyatt's face and. You know, he, he's telling him, he's calling him Mr. Kansas Law Dog. Law, don't go around here, Kansas Law Dog. Um, you know, um, because he's, he's, got his, he, he's got his fellow cow, cowboys around him. So, you know, he, he's all big and blustery. Um, Curly Bill drops $500 on the Farrow table, and it's a winner. Um, that would be about eight grand in today's dough. So that was, that was a pretty good haul for one hand to Farrow. Um, pretty cool. So he's thrilled at this point. I mean, you know, Curly Bill, and again, Curly Bill is never not happy through this whole yeah. thing. <laughs> he's even at, even at the end when we get to that, he's not unhappy. He, he's just amazed by it all almost. It's crazy. Um, so it's at this point that Ringo, who's standing next to Curly, he notices Doc. Um, Doc is not looking good. 
the, the, the TB is getting him like crazy. Um, it's bad. Um, they have a quick exchange, and then uh, we go to this. So, Joe, roll it. You must be Doc Holliday. <coughs> That's the rumor. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you look it. You must be Ringo. Look, darling. Johnny Ringo. The deadliest pistol ever since Wild Bill, they say. What do you think, darling? Should I hate him? You don't even know him. No, that's true, but... I don't know. There's just something about him. Something around the house. I don't know. Reminds me of... Me. No. I'm sure of it. I hate him. He's drunk. And Vino Veritas. I Jake Wurajis. Sotella, non ego. Eventus Stultorum. Magister. Pace requiescat. Come on, boys. We don't want any trouble in here, not in any language. That's Latin, doll. Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I really hate him. It's such a great exchange. I mean, it... it, it Doug, if you didn't translate that for me right oh, now, I got it. I'm... I'm I got, okay. All right, I got it here, I'm, buddy. I'm fucking nope, hanging I, up and I'm going to bed. Yep, we got to do it. trust. <laughs> All right, so... Um, right, right after that, uh, you know, the tension is like at its peak. Um, so Wyatt just states about Doc, he's drunk. Um, he says that before the the exchange in Latin. And, uh, so Doc's first response is in wine, there is truth. Meaning when you're drunk, you tell the truth. Um, and Ringo's. Ringo's response is "Come as you are," meaning you're the old, kind of meaning you're the old man. I'm the young guy. Come on, let's do it. Let's do this. All right. Uh, Doc says, and this is uh, this line's a little tough, but it says, "Let Appella the Jew believe, lest not I." And he points at Ringo when he says, "Let Appella the Jew believe," meaning you go ahead and believe what you want. I'll still kick your ass. All right. Um, Ringo's response when he's touching his gun is youth is the teacher of fools. So that's obvious. He's calling, he's calling doc a fool and the, the young guy is going to take care of business. Uh, doc's response to that is rest in peace. So they've set the stage for each other. We know it's coming regardless of, of how this thing plays out. It's coming. Um, and they're going to get to each other. You know, I, I just love the line, you know, yeah, apparently Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I know I hate him. Um, it's it's so great <laughs> Val Kilmer again we, we go back to that whole Willem Dafoe thing forget it man forget it Val Kilmer owns this movie it's his movie and we're all just lucky to watch it um, did he win it, any awards for this I think he might I didn't look I should have he may have been nominated but I'm not sure it, the movie was the movie wasn't good enough to be that you know what I mean like I don't know if he mm-hmm. would have been considered but he I'll, I'd have to check I, I don't know right 
Um, but yeah, he de- he definitely deserved it because it was amazing. Um, so at that point, after the exchange, <laughs> Ringo starts spinning his gun, and it's it's good. I mean, Michael Bean practiced this. They both did, um, but Michael Bean practiced this. He wanted it to look as authentic as possible. And he did a good job. Um, he's doing a lot of cool tricks with the gun. Um, the crowd, the, the crowd's impressed. Everybody's clapping and applauding and, and whooping it up because it, it's impressive. Um, he finishes. He holsters the weapon. And Doc, again, not looking good, sweaty, pasty, drunk off his ass. Um, they all look at him for the response. And he just starts twirling his drink cup, um, yeah. just comically That's twirling awesome. the cup, spinning it up, down, sideways. And the crowd loves it because, you know, they just think it's funny. But he just put... Ringo in his place, but also infuriated him even more uh, by doing That had this. to be one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Right? I mean, just right? so good. Oh, and, and yes. just to interject here, uh, as far as awards go, Tombstone, 1993, uh, Val Kilmer was nominated for okay, great. an MTV movie. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, shit. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, but, Best male hey. performance and most desirable male. Oh, there you go. Okay, but he didn't win yeah. either one. Nah. <laughs> well, right. it's no Thunderheart. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a soul-sucking fucking movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you know the tension again. It's still high. Like like I said, uh, Johnny Ringo is infuriated. He is he is losing it in his head. Curly Bill knows this. He doesn't want any trouble. So he just in his jovial self. He walks up to the bar right in front of Josie and says, drinks on me, and just basically makes it rain. He throws the money up in the air, uh, the, you know, the, the thousands of dollars he's just won. He throws it up in the air, and, you know, it, it's a party. So it diffuses the situation, and I, I definitely think that was his intention at that point. Um, and guess what happens again, boys? Wyatt and Josie lock eyes. Like, there's no fucking reason for that in this scene, but they got to do it again. So, uh, yeah, so they lock eyes again, (laughs) which leads us to the most cringeworthy scene in the whole fucking movie besides the end of it. Um, (laughs) The next morning, Uh. Wyatt's (laughs) up in the mountains riding horses. He's riding his horse. This is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Uh, He's up in the mountains riding his horse. and You can't have a horse opera without horses. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's run it out of him. Yep, yeah. He looks looks down the hill a little bit. And he sees Josie riding a horse. And I'm like, oh, no, please no. <laughs> but, yep. And, again, I think it's like the third time he goes, oh, hell. <laughs> he says that every time he sees it, he goes, oh, hell. Um, you know, what is and this stupid fucking shirt he's wearing? I know. It's <laughs> white. It's almost like the big shirt, the puffy shirt in Seinfeld. <laughs> but it has, like, an apron on the front of it. Yeah. Like a I mean, it was supposed it's like to be some period, shit fucking like Prince would wear. Honestly, it's. <laughs> The, the the costumes in this movie were period authentic, down to the wool. They were they were dying. People were almost dying of heat stroke, because it was 120 degrees in fucking Arizona when they shot it. So it was it was like period appropriate. I don't know, but it was a silly shirt. Um, he, you know, he starts heading towards her, and his comment is, "I'm an oak, all right," because you know he knows it's over. Um, it's I I can't even go into the fucking jabber that goes on with this too much, but. You know, Looks yeah, like the, my horse wants to fuck right, your horse. Exactly. <laughs> there's a way awkward conversation about horses in season. And, and she plays stupid. How do they know? They smell it. Of course they smell it, you dopey. I mean, they just, they know. Just like you know, you know. 
Um, so, you know, they go through that. Then <laughs> suddenly there's oh, God. A, uh, sorry. There's a picnic. They have a fucking picnic. I guess she had this stuff already. I don't know. They lay the blanket down, and they start talking about life, and she's trying to get him to say what he wants to do, and he's giving the stupid man answers about kids and a family and blah, 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 and she's not buying it. And he can't comprehend her willingness to just go from guy to guy and, and, and you know, just because, you know, she's a woman with needs. And, and she's 100% right. There's, that's absolutely, you know, that's, that's the way it should be. But, um, you know, talks about the fact that she wants to live life uh, having ordering room service. So, By the way, this is the most progressive Old West woman I've ever seen in my yes, life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And apparently she was like that. Besides the boozing and the cheating and the stealing, she was like that. She, she saw something she wanted, and, and she took it in every sense of the word, you know, in, in a practical, transactional sense and in a in human sense. Um, so, you know, she was ahead of her time in, in that sense. But, uh, you know, we, it, finally, she lets out the room service line, which comes back later to bite us again. And um, the scene's over. Thankfully, the fucking scene's over. Um, we are reminded of it in the next scene, though, quickly. It's a short scene, but Wyatt returns home to a very, very manic and, and high Maddie. I mean, she's, God knows how deep in the bottle she is of uh, laudanum. Um, well, it's a new bottle. That's true. It's a new bottle. And, you know, at this point, Wyatt is only, he's half-heartedly trying to get her help. He doesn't give a fuck, and you can tell, and it's awful. It's horrible. It's like, fine, you don't love this woman anymore. Get her help. Drag her to the, do- the doctor. Do something. Don't just fucking, you know, blow it off, which he, which he keeps doing. So that's a, that's, that's a bit frustrating, or it's very frustrating. You know, he, then he lays Maddie's, he lays Josie's story on her in that, what do you say we just pull up stakes and we live off room service? And, you know, he realizes that's what he wants to do. It's his excuse to get away from Maddie. But, you know, she, of course, looks at him like he's nuts, even in her hazed state. She looks at him like he's insane and that's the end of the scene but it's basically a table setting scene for for what's going to happen um that's all it is and heavy-handed again i've mentioned that already but it, it bothers me it's one of the scenes i could definitely do without um yeah this movie could have easily been an hour 45 no exactly exactly and the funny thing <laughs> is, is that there's a director's cut that's like eight or nine minutes longer than the, the version we watched that's the, the scenes in that. That scene cut. is eight minutes longer. No, 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 no. Overall, there's oh. about eight minutes more in the director's cut, and <clears> all <throat> of those scenes you can you can watch it and see why they cut them. There was no need for it, and they could have cut even more. But um, yeah, there were much longer scenes. There were some longer scenes in that. Um, so anyway, mercifully that scene is over. Um, we are back at the Oriental again. Um, so Billy Clanton, Ike's younger brother. He's played by Thomas Hayden Church, as I mentioned. Uh, his claim to fame is Wings. and well, He was in Idiocracy. He was the Brondo CFO or CEO in, in yeah. Idiocracy. Um, you know, as, as well as a bunch of, like I said, Sideways with Paul Giamatti's a great movie. And We Bought a Zoo is a corny, sappy movie I like. Um, you know, it's been a lot Spider-Man of Spider-Man 3? Yeah. Yes, Spider-Man 3, Sandman. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I mean, he's a cool actor. I dig him a lot. Because um, he, he can play a lot of different roles. He can play the tough. He can play the heavy. He can play a good guy, play a funny guy. You know, so it's cool. So he's in there, and he's, you know, he's watching Doc play the piano with Kate. And he's dropping comments about what she's doing with that lunger, again, with the lunger thing. And, you know, he's drunk off his ass. Everybody's drunk. Um, 
So, you know, Billy starts spouting off some songs uh, by Stephen fucking Foster. <laughs> uh, Camp Town Races, and I forget the rest. You know, those type of old, westy, you know, twinkle piano tunes that I can't stand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that well, you learn is, in music class in the fourth grade. Is, this is. is Frederick fucking, fucking Chopin. Chopin, yeah. So, <laughs> that's a great line. When, when he comes um, up and says, play Camp Town Races, all I could think of is that intro scene from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so it's a quick cut, sort of the same scene. It's a quick cut over to the opium den across the street. Um, we see Curly Bill, and he is fucked up. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. He's hallucinating. All right. Um, he, he stumbles out of the, the opium den, and he, he's looking up at the sky, and he's like, I feel capital. <laughs> and he's looking at his fingers like they're not attached to his body and all sorts of shit. But on, like, on a dime, he turns and just mean. Like, he sees people, and they, their very existence pisses him off, and he starts shooting at them. Um, how he missed those people, I'll never know. <laughs> he was shooting point blank at some of them. He didn't hit him. Um, the guy on the horse rides by. He's three feet from him, and he misses him, thankfully, for these folks, okay? Um, so he's out in the middle of the road, middle of the street. He's howling at the moon. He's shooting at the sky. Um, Inside the Oriental, Behan is mouthing off because he's a fucking coward. You know, somebody somebody needs to take care of that. And I think it's the mayor. I, somebody says, well, <laughs> you're the marshal. This is the town matter. <laughs> I'm county. He's not touching that shit with a 10-foot pole. Um, Fred White is scared. Old Fred's scared. But he knows he's got to go out and do it. He's, all right, I'll go do it. Um, he comes out. And, uh, you know, he, he's got his pistol drawn. And he... Sternly tells, you know, Curly Bill, you know, hand over your weapons. And you can see, and you know, Curly actually respects Fred. Like, because he knows, like, Fred doesn't work directly with them, but from the earlier statement about the Cowboys bringing money into the town, Fred knows the relationship needs to be, you know, moderated. And and Curly respects that. So he he, he sort of likes him. He loves him in a way. And he is listening to him. Um so, you know, he goes to hand over the weapons, and, he, and then he spins them on his fingers, so they're sort of, like, upside down. Uh, but at the last second, he shoots poor Fred. Um, and I'll finish this and then go into what really happened. But um, he shoots poor Fred, and, you know, I love uh, Harry Carey Jr., but his death was fucking awful. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he died like he died like a like a kid in a high school production of somebody because he just it was just way overacting, you know. Like that part in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <Yeah>. exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's bad. He drops. He drops. He finally drops. He's laying on his back. He's gone. You know, we see him get shot in the heart. He's done. Um, you know, th- this is gonna this is gonna play a part in a, in a scene in a couple of scenes or an hour scene from now. But we see Josie and Behan outside witness this happen. They see it happen. They see what happens, okay? And there are other people on the street to see what happens. Um, uh, Wyatt comes out, right? It's why, yeah, Wyatt comes out. Um, he uh, pistol whips Curly Bill and knocks him out, right? They grab, they grab poor Fred to get him off the street. They just want to get him out. Um, an angry mob surrounds Curly Bill because the beloved town marshal is now dead and it's curly bill's fault he murdered him they want to lynch him on the spot um wyatt even though he's not you know he's not any any 
anywhere involved in the, in the, in the, the law portion of this town. He's like, no, he's going to go to trial for murder and, you know, we'll get justice or however he phrases it. Uh, so he basically with his pistol drawn, he's keeping everybody at bay. Um, then the rest of the crew start showing up to help out uh, with their guns just to keep the people from murdering them. Of course, at the same time, the Cowboys show up, uh, Ike and, and the rest of the crew show up. They want him released immediately, um, but they're not having any of it. They're going to, you know, they're going to lock Curly Bill up. Um, so there is a clip that you can uh, play for me, please, Mr. O'Rourke. He said to turn loose of him. I'm not. So go home. I swear to God, law dog. You don't step aside, we'll tear you apart. You die first, get it? Your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I make your head into a canoe. You understand me? He's bluffing. Let's rush him. No. He ain't bluffing. You're not as stupid as you look, I... Now tell him to get back. Go on now, get back. Go on! Billy! He'll kill me. And you, music lover, you're next. <laughs> drunk piano player. You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. <laughs> Another classic line by Mr. Holiday. It is just so fucking great. Um... So, yeah, uh, you know, Ike, Ike turns coward again. Well, not coward, it's self-preservation at that point because he knows that, that why it's not bluffing. Um, and I also, one of my favorite lines, <laughs> you know, your friends may get me in a rush, but not before I turn your head into a canoe. Um, that is such a great line. It really is. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's how the, this, the, that, that whole situation is diffused and, and we move on. So um, I'm going to jump into the next scene and then talk quickly about what really happened. Uh, that so it's the next day or it's a few it's that day or a couple of weeks later I'm not sure at this point it's a little bit of time has passed but uh, it's the morning and they're they're in the in the saloon and they're all talking about the fact that Curly Bill got off on this murder um, Judge Spicer who who was a real judge he was the judge for that county so he was involved in a lot of these things in real life um, his comment was no witness no murder and you know they let him off. And, 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 you know, again, it goes back to what I said about Behan and, and Josie. Both were right there when they, they saw it happen among a bunch of other people. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Uh, Mayor Klum is in there again. He's still trying to convince. He's trying to convince all of them to get involved um, and, and help the town. Uh, they're all having none of it. Um, and, and Klum makes a point, and it gets to Virgil in that, well, you're making a lot of money in this town, uh, and you're taking advantage of the people in this town making that money. Um, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't affect Morgan. Morgan makes a comment about the only thing I have a problem with is my hangover and, uh, and why it's Wyatt. He's not giving a shit, but you can see in Virgil's eyes that it's getting to him. Um, so w before we jump on to the next scene, so, so that whole showdown, um, Curly Bill did get off, but the reason he got off is that he didn't do it. Um, he was handing his guns over to, uh, to, to Fred and they were half cocked, probably because of the state he was in. And Fred, 
Fred grabbed the gun and pulled it while, while uh, Curly's finger was on the trigger. And the gun went off. And he didn't die right away. All right. He, he lasted two or three days and he was able to give a statement saying that this was my fault. He didn't do it. And Wyatt even testified in, in defense of Curly saying, I saw it too because he was there. And it didn't happen that way. It was an accident. So he shouldn't be convicted of it. Yeah. And, and more of the reason he arrested him was to keep him from getting lynched. Exactly. No, that's exactly him. it. He was protecting him. <laughs> And apparently, according to this historical record, too, though, while Curly Bill was obviously appreciative of that fact, he never forgave or didn't want to forgive Wyatt for pistol whipping him. <laughs> like, he didn't understand. He was trying to save his life. He just didn't get it. Uh, so yeah. he, so he, he held a grudge against Wyatt and, and all the Earps and, and Doc as well because of that. But they saved his life. So, you know, it, I, I understand it. That's too much story to have to infuse into this into this movie um it's fine the way it happened you know it's again it's based on true events it's not true events to the t uh but yeah that's just some background on, on how it actually happened it's intermission time time for refreshment during the next 10 minutes you're invited to visit the refreshment stand where you'll be greeted with fast friendly service you'll find hot dogs juicy hamburgers, and mouth-watering delicious pizza. There are refreshing hot and cold beverages, ice-cold cola, and orange drink. Goes great with an order of crispy French fries. Then there's a wide selection of your favorite candies and other delicious snacks. And there's always a fresh batch of hot buttered popcorn to go with the rest of the show. So visit the refreshment stand now during this 10-minute intermission and add to your enjoyment of the movie. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. So, all right, so we're going to jump back into it. Um, We've got uh, another scene in town. Um, this, this quickly ties into my statement about Virgil. It's starting to get to him because the very next scene, he, he's outside and the cowboys are riding through town, just terrorizing people just because that's what they do. You know, they're riding fast. They're trying to run over people. They're shooting and shit. Just, you know, just generally messing around. Uh, Virgil grabs a kid and pulls him out of the way just before he's about to get trampled by a horse. And she, he, he puts him down. And the mom, the mom of the kid, you know, she reaches a hand out and the kid goes to her. And we see that, you know, she, she's obviously a single mom. She's got four kids. She's single. You know, I'm extrapolating, but this is the intent of the scene. Again, it's a little heavy handed. You know, she's a single mom because of the cowboys. She's got a scar on her face. Like they're playing us up to the hilt to drive Virgil over the edge and do something like they couldn't. Have, they couldn't have done any more short of removing one of her limbs or something to make her more sympathetic to turn him. Uh, so, you know, he gets, he sees that and you can see he gets the message. Um, the next scene we jump into now is Virgil in front of the marshal's office posting new town rules. Um, he's decided to become the town marshal and replace, replace Fred. Uh, and the biggest rule that everybody's losing their shit about 
uh, so this, you know, Second Amendment goes even back then and before, is his rule is no guns in town. Um, you know, and, and, and that was actually a fairly common rule in a lot of towns out there in order to, in order to keep the violence to a minimum as best they could. Um, they made it a misdemeanor to carry a gun within town limits. Um, you know, his comment was, we're not saying you can't have a gun. You just can't have a gun in town. <laughs> yep. um, the crowd goes nuts. Wyatt storms up on his horse. Um, this was probably unintentional, but he almost killed one of the actors because <laughs> the guy had a shotgun up. He pushed the shotgun so hard to get out of his way. It hits the guy in the head. <laughs> it was definitely not part of the, the scene. Um, and he gets off the horse and he's asking Virgil what's going on. He sees Virgil's badge and he's like, what are you doing? We had our plan. You're fucking it all up. You know, this is not good. Blah, blah, blah. He's just, just ragging on him. And then he looks to Morgan as the voice of reason. And <laughs> Morgan opens his coat and he's got a badge too. And, you know, that's it. Uh, Wyatt goes into a quick, quick little uh, learning tool for Morgan about, you know, you think you know what it's like to kill a man. Um, but you don't, um, yep. up the to mayor, that, the mayor yeah. is also pushing this as well. This no gun. Yes. Town thing. And, um, when Wyatt tries to like tell him that like, it's not a good idea. I actually got a quote from the mayor here. Yeah. Don't ever tell me what I can't do ever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what he tells him. That's exactly he tells what he tells him. So everybody's don't telling why everybody's telling Wyatt off. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's cool. I, I, I looked it up and I, I kind of confirmed it because at this point, Wyatt says, I've only ever killed one man in my life, uh, you know, and I'll never forget it. And apparently it's his time as a, as a marshal in Dodge city and other towns. That's true. As far as I could see, uh, documented that up to that point, <laughs> he had only killed one man. So, um, that changes in real life and in the movie coming up. Uh, so we, you know, Wyatt, Wyatt storms off. It's, you know, he's done, with, he's done with the brothers for the moment. He, he doesn't want any part of it. Um, so our next scene, we're back at the Oriental again. It's the, it's the hot spot. Um, Josie's singing Red River Valley at the piano. Beautiful voice. She's doing her thing. Uh, Doc is playing poker with some cowboys. It's Ike uh, and the uh, McClory brothers, Tom and Frank. Um, Morgan's dealing at that point. Uh, you know, Wyatt and Virgil are in the room. They're just kind of watching. Um, Morgan sneaks over to let Wyatt know that um, uh, Doc's been up. For, he's been at it for 36 straight hours. I mean, and you, you can see it. The guy is like. This is my, this is my part. It's my favorite part. Go ahead. <laughs> he's at death's door. I mean, it, 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 he, he's fucked up, but he's not stopping. Um, Wyatt tries to stop him, you know, and. You know, he, Doc is dropping the comments, and he's like, I will not be pawed at. So. Yeah, that line. That's <laughs> it. so I'll not great. be pawed at. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, that's true. I have that's not the way yet he says it. begun to defile, defile myself. myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he's having none of it because this is Doc. It's the way, the way he lives his life, you know. Um, so, yeah, at this point, just uh, roll that clip, Joe. What is that now? The 12 hands in a row holiday, son of a bitch, nobody's that lucky. Why, Ike, whatever do you mean? Is that the right one? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Like, yeah. For some reason, it didn't feel right, but... No, 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 that was it. That was a quick one, because it was after that that, that you know, he, he dropped the four queens down, and uh, 
and and I lost it. But I yeah. I I wanted that play because again, that's one of the lines like that'll that'll drop in my house. You know, somebody will say something to somebody else, and I'll go, ah, whatever do you mean? <laughs> you know, just a bust balls. <laughs> like we use that all the time. So, um, you know, they keep going at it. Virgil steps in to try to calm things down. Ike's having none of it. He starts talking about cutting your pimp heart out. <laughs> okay. You know, that does not go over well with Virgil. Um, he is not happy. Um, he's about to do something when Doc stands up and then collapses to the ground with, a, you know, blood coming out of his mouth. Um, obviously, his health is declining rapidly. They, they scoop up Doc and they, they tell him we're going to bring him over to the hotel and have him rest up. Um, so... Uh, they 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 all leave. Even even Virgil sort of leaves, right, to help Doc. And you know, Ike and the Cowboys are getting up to leave. And you know, Ike goes to the bar, and t- they all go to get their weapons because they got to check their weapons at the door. And you know, Ike is just, he's drunk as shit and he's riled up. So he even gets on Milt's case. And Milt, you know, he, he says about cheating. Milt says nobody cheated you. And fucking Ike bitch slaps him. You know, it, it's typical cowboy shit. Typical Ike shit. Um, he starts mouthing off how they're going to get the, the herps. They're going to get them all, you know. He doesn't know that Virgil's standing behind him. And he turns around and Virgil pistol whips him right in the head and knocks him out. Um, so the other Cowboys have left at this point, actually, so they don't even know what happened at, at that moment. So he brings, he brings Ike off to, off to jail, throws him in a cell, basically to let him sober up. He's not arresting him for anything. Um, you know, so we transition to the next day. Next morning, um, Ike is so was so drunk he's still drunk. Like it's the next morning and he's still not sober. Um, the McLaurie brothers come to pick him up. Um, of course, they're usual cowboy defiant. You know, uh, even even the younger McLaurie, you know, he's got that snotty kid attitude, but he's not taking shit from anybody. Um, they want Ike's guns, but you know, Virgil's like, no, when he sobers up and get his guns. And then uh, that leads us to this. Joe, fire it up. Come on. The hell you think you are? Watch the way you walk, you stupid bastard. Easy, kid. I'm sorry. I ain't easy. I ain't your kid. You take sorry and shove it up your ass. I'll fight you right now. Got you. You're gonna bleed. You got a fight coming. Coming today. Bastard! It's coming! There we go. So, uh, I, I thought it was important to play that clip just because it is the lead up to, you know, what it's not the climax of the movie but it's the peak of the movie to that point it, it's basically the the signature moment of uh of the movie and the lore and the story real you know what really happened um so we're gonna get to that shortly so um we jump to a quick scene of a doctor checking on the doc um because you know he's laid up in bed now um you know, the doc, the doc lays it out. I mean, he says he's lost 60% of his lung tissue. Um, and, you know, if he stops everything right now, he could last two years or two days. That's how bad it is. Um, you know, 
Doc is realizing this, and he's, he's also realizing that his relationship with Kate is coming to an end because she is part of the reason he's dying, in the sense that, you know, she, again, it's transactional with them, so she doesn't really, bottom line, care <laughs> if he lives or dies. She's going to milk every, or she, she knows he's going to die, so she'll milk every penny out of him before it happens, and, and he knows that, too. Um, so he tries to start, you know, he says, we have to redefine the nature of our relationship. Um, and she's having none of that. She's, she starts turning on the charms and basically goes right for the crotch to, you know, have him forget what he's talking about. Um, you know, and his line at the end of that scene is you are a good woman. Then again, you may be the antichrist and, uh, you know, that could be, who knows, but, uh, yeah, she's still trying, trying to charm him to get every penny out of him. Um, we move to uh, a scene of the Cowboys riding towards town, or they're in town, um, and the Earps are standing there, and they watch six Cowboys ride past. Uh, Wyatt looks at, at Virgil and says, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, time you swear me in, because they know trouble's coming. Um, Wyatt then goes to his house to get his Peacemaker pistol. Um, from what I read, there's no evidence he ever owned a pistol like that, but it's got the longest barrel I've ever seen for a pistol. <laughs> It's um, like a Smith and Wesson 500. Yeah, I think it's something like that. I'm not sure. Um, Those Navy Colts were big. Yeah, it is a cult. It's, it was a cult. I remember reading that. But again, you know, he may or may not have owned a pistol like that. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But uh, he go he goes and retrieves that from the house, and uh, you know, he's he's ready to he's ready to to bring it now. So, um, you know, they're all back at the marshal's office, and the mayor comes in uh, and lets the Arabs know that the cowboys are running their mouths about. You know, taking them out, gunning them down. They're going to get rid of all of them. Um, Doc shows up, and uh, I want you to play that clip, Joe. It's not your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Your call. Give Doc the shotgun. They'll be less apt to get nervy if he's on the street house. All right. So, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of that clip, you know, Doc gets pissed because, you know, at the end of this movie, we learn what they truly mean to each other because they vocalize it finally. And uh, that hurt Doc just, you know, for a second. But it upset him because, you know, he's always been there for, for uh, they've always been there for each other. And, you know, this isn't even a question for Doc to be there to help uh, Wyatt and his brothers. So, you know, it pissed him off a bit. But I love that Street Howardson line. I absolutely love it. Um, that is also one of my favorites. I don't use it around the house too much because it's not appropriate. But, you know, uh, it works. Um, it's the uh, second best nickname for a shotgun. The first being the room broom. <laughs> there you go. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. I would take that first. I totally agree. Um, so we get a quick shot of the Earps walking towards the OK Corral where they know the Cowboys are. Um, you know, just a little checklist there. There's a building on fire. We assume the Cowboys did it. I guess they are. They're trying to put the fire out. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but uh, some of, uh, of Morgan's reaction shots when shit's going down is hysterical. The way Paxton played him, he's a scared little kid. 
Okay, he's shitting himself a lot, and he's not a coward, not by any means. But this is all new to him. You know, he's trying to live up to the name his brothers have created for the for the Earps, and it's it's difficult for him because he's young. And uh, you know, I'm trying to look here. I, I put my paper away, but I forget. He's obviously the second youngest, but the youngest in this in in this instance in this movie. Um, but when they're walking towards the OK Corral, and that keep comes up. I, he shit himself. There's no question about it. <laughs> He's like, damn kids, you know, uh, drove him crazy. And uh, Doc is, of course, he's cool as a cucumber. He's whistling. And that was actually a Val Kilmer ad lib. Um, Val, he just thought it would be appropriate for Doc to just be, again, as cool as a cucumber. And just, you know, he's ready for anything at any time. So he's just whistling a happy tune waiting for this all to go down. Um, so we are at the scene. We're at the scene. The OK Corral, even if you're only mildly, you know, into Westerns or, or you know, the, the old West, every, almost everybody knows, you know, gunfight at the OK Corral. It's been done a hundred times in movies. Everybody just knows the reference. At the very least, they know what's going on. Um, it turns out that, you know, the, the actual gunfight took place in an alley next to the OK Corral. Um, but it kind of looked like, you know, the, the, the stage that, that they set is pretty realistic as to how it looked. They might have changed the signage around uh, just to, you know, help people understand what was going on. Uh, but before they round the corner into that alley, into that area where the gunfight takes place, Behan, <laughs> he shows up and he, he, he tells the boys that he's already disarmed them. Um, he's just looking to defuse the situation because he knows what's coming. I mean, but he also wants to keep control of the town. Uh, so, you know, he gives that line of bullshit, but they, they, they know what's going on. They don't even believe him. They keep walking. Um, you know, so uh, they round the corner, and there are six of them there, six cowboys. We got Ike and Billy Clanton. We got the McClory brothers. We got Barnes. And we got Claiborne, who we don't really see much. Um, cool thing about Claiborne is he's played by Wyatt Earp, <laughs> who is the fifth cousin of the actual Wyatt Earp. He's Wyatt Earp third, so he's the third person named Wyatt Earp from that family. Um, they used him in that movie, in that role. He's no speaking lines. You only see him in that one scene, and he ends up running away uh, almost instantly. So, um, but yeah, his, his, his actual name is Wyatt Earp. Um, you know, Virgil, he, he just shouts out that, you know, throw down your weapons, we're here to disarm you, um, and throw up your hands. Um, they all stop. They all draw their weapons. They're all staring at each other. Uh, nothing's happening. They're building the tension. It's a, it's a good job of that. Um, Everything seems okay, and <laughs> the tension's building, but there's nothing going on until um, Doc, he winks at, uh, at Billy Clanton. And that is, that is, again, a Val Kilmer ad-lib. He decided to do that, and they kept it in. Um, and as soon as that happens, the shooting starts. I mean, um, you know, Wyatt just says, oh, my God, because he knows what's coming, and they just start shooting. Um, I like the way this takes place in the sense is like, I don't know what a gunfight like that would look like, but in my head, the randomness of the aiming and just the, fr the frenetic pace is what I would think would happen in a situation like that. When you got, you know, eight guys <laughs> facing off against each other that are, they're six feet apart, you know, no one's taking aim. They're just, you know, bringing their guns up and they're shooting and hoping they hit something. Um, you know, the, the gunplay, just, they go nuts. Um, you know, everything is um, is nuts. I mean, uh, Virgil gets shot in the arm. 
uh, Morgan gets shot in the leg. Um, there are a couple of cowboys that are down and out at this point. Um, to take a step back when it first, before they start shooting, Ike, once again, he chickens out. He doesn't have his gun, which, again, I read is real. In this case, he didn't have his gun. Um, he, he runs into the, into the, uh, the portrait studio next to the alley there, the fly portrait studio to hide. Um, you know, and he's done that multiple times in this movie already. Um, they get to a lull in, this, in, in the sense that, you know, th- there's really not many people left standing. And, uh, you know, Doc circles uh, one of the cowboys and holds his gun up. It's, it's Billy Clanton. And, uh, you know, he pulls the trigger and he's got nothing in the, in the barrel, so in the chamber. So he, um, he uh, you know, he stands there and, uh, you know, Clanton says to him that, uh, well, actually, you got a clip, Joe, so why don't you run it? I got you now, you son of a bitch. You're daisy if you do. think I'll let you arrest us today, Behan. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, going back to that clip real quick, I was mistaken. It wasn't uh, Billy Clanton. It was one of the McLarry brothers that uh, Doc has the confrontation with. Um, you're a daisy with you do. If you do, that is accurate. And it is documented that Doc said that. Um, it was documented in newspapers by you know eyewitness accounts. And he said it. And that is yet another line you could choose in the house. If somebody says they're going to do something, oh, you're a daisy if you do. Um, so, you know, it gets this movie again. It's the movie. Um, yeah. So so after that, uh, Josie, who was in the um, was in the movie, stu- uh, the portrait studio, she runs out to check on Wyatt. And OK, awkward moment. Number 500. Maddie, Maddie comes around the corner to check on Wyatt at the same time. Uh, so yeah, there's that little confront, you know, wordless confrontation. It's just not good. Bad um, gas travels fast in a small town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, and you can tell by the look on, on all their faces that, that they know that, that a storm is coming <laughs> figuratively and literally. Um, so yeah, um, we jump to the next scene. It, it, it's a, it's the funeral for the three cowboys that, that were murdered, uh, or, murdered that's what the cowboys are claiming anyway um you know we see a funeral procession with, with some uh, carriages carrying three coffins um i think i can yeah it's ike and one of the other cowboys is carrying a banner that says murdered on the streets of tombstone so you know they're playing up that sympathy angle um you know it's uh billy billy clanton so ike's brother he lost his brother 
and both McLaurie brothers uh, are the victims in this case. Um, you know, Morgan and Wyatt have a quick conversation lamenting about taking a man's life with Morgan agreeing. You're right. It's, not, it's nothing like I thought it would be. Um, so, you know, it's affected him. So they are now in town. Some time has passed. Um, you know, a little bit of time has passed anyway. Yeah. Um, it, they mentioned it's getting hotter. So we know that, you know, a couple of months have passed anyway. Um, and again, to take a step back from real life, the, the timeline in this movie is nothing like how events transpired. While many of the individual events were, were pretty close to accurate, they didn't happen in, in as short a time span as is represented in, this, in the movie. Um, but that's fine. Again, it's just a, it's a telling of a tale. Um, so the Earps are walking down, you know, they're walking in town. And, uh, you know, Billy Breckenridge uh, walks up to them and they, they say hello. And he's just pissed at him. You know, he, he, he laces into him about killing his friends. And, you know, I don't want to talk to you. If I was, if I was somebody or I was bigger, I'd fight you all. Um, but, you know, he's, that's not what he does. Um, as he leaves, I mean, Wyatt comments, all they ever do is make fun of him. Um, and it, it, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter to Billy. They're his friends. Um, they walk by a drunk Ringo. Uh, Ringo is fucked up. He is, like, messed up from, from this, uh, you know, the confrontation. And uh, they happen to walk by him. They don't really see him. So, uh, Joe, roll the clip. Sister boy should have stuck around. What do you want, Ringo? I want your blood. And I want your soul. And I want them both right now. I don't want any more trouble. Well, you got trouble! And it starts with you. I'm not gonna fight you, Ringo. There's no money in it. Sober up. Come on, boys. Wretched slugs. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? I'm your huckleberry. That's just my game. All right, Lunger. You go to hell. I'll put you out of your misery. Say wham. Johnny, go! Get off! Get off! Don't mind him. He just drunk, that's all. Who the No! I want them spitting blood! Easy, son, easy. Now ain't the time. Slow down, Ringo! I tell you boys, even I'm worried what's gonna happen once Ringo runs this outfit. God have mercy. Yeah, so uh I love that scene. That it, Ami Huckleberry is my favorite line in this movie. Um, it's my text notification. It has been for about 12 years, <laughs> 10 years. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Again, it's used in the house because, I mean, you know, it, it was a phrase of the time, and it just basically means I'm the perfect man for the job. So, you know, it gets used in the house when, <laughs> when we're talking about doing something good. Yep, Ami Huckleberry. Um, and it's just, it's, it's my absolute favorite line in the movie. There's no question about that, but that's an important scene besides that line. Um, 
you know, because it's, it's we're to the boiling point uh, between the Cowboys and, and the Earps. Um, at the end, those are three coffins that he stumbled and knocked over. Um, but, you know, we also hear Curly Bill being his affable self, but um, he ain't kidding when he's, when he's worried about Ringo taking over. Um, and, you know, and he states that now out loud. Uh, so, yeah, we know some shit's going down. We know it's going to happen. Um, so we move to our next scene. Uh, it's the storm that I mentioned. It's the actual storm. Um, you know, it's a stormy night in, in Tombstone. Um, high winds, lightning, you know, the whole bit. It's not really raining, but, you know, it's nasty out there. Um, the herbs are at the Oriental. Um, they're just closing up, basically. Place is empty. It's just them. Uh, Virgil says he's heading home. So, he, you know, he heads out. Um, we quick cut to, uh, you know, home, Virgil's house. And all the women are there. And they're waiting for Virgil to come home. They know he's coming home soon. And uh, one of the women is, is laying out some tarot cards. And, you know, she's dropping the worst cards is death. And I, I don't know what other ones. But, you know, basically pointing to the hell that's coming. Um, so Josie comes in because previously Behan told her that shit was going down and that uh, she'd be well to know the man in charge, meaning him, uh, that things are going to change. So I also found this a little weird. She decides after gathering that information that, you know, not to run to the Oriental to tell Wyatt and the boys, but run home to tell the girls. <laughs> so... She comes in the house and she lets the girls know what's going on. Something bad's going to happen. And, you know, just as she's inside, they see a shadow at the window. The door opens up and there's a double shotgun blast. Um, you know, who, whichever cowboy it is misses. But, um, you know, it lets you know that things are going down. Um, we cut back to the Oriental. And, uh, you know, Wyatt and Morgan are talking. And in, from the side door walks Virgil. And, you know, Wyatt quips, what'd you forget, Virg? Um... And, you know, Virgil comes around the bar and he calls Wyatt's name and he falls to the ground. And we see this arm is absolutely wrecked. It's torn up. Um, Wyatt runs over and, and picks up Virgil. And <laughs> I read this apparently. Um, he, he, he wailed Sam Elliott's head into the top of the bar <laughs> when he picked him up. He gave him a pretty good knot on his head uh, from that. Uh, and it's in the scene. You can see it happen. Um, they didn't change it. But, uh, you know, so... <sighs> We're back at the house. They get Virgil back to the house. The doctor's checking him out. Um, you know, the, the girls are crying. Morgan and, and, and Wyatt are beside themselves. And, you know, the doctor lets, uh, lets uh, Virgil know he's going to lose the use of his arm. Uh, and that was the case in real life. Now, as far as that real timeline goes, this happened the same day as the OK Corral shootout. Uh, it did not in this case, um, but in the movie. But in real life, it did. It happened the same day. Um, so everybody's suddenly pissed at Wyatt and I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused by this because they were very happy to follow him and they were thanking him in the beginning. And, you know, he didn't do anything he'd never done in his life. I mean, he, he was out of the game and wanted to make the money. He was making the money. And I don't know how it suddenly turned his fault because Virgil's the one that wanted to help the town out. Um, I'm not saying he's not at fault, but it was just a little weird the way they turned on him anyway. Um, so... Uh, Morgan mentioned he, he just heard that, that the Cowboys also hit the mayor's house and basically killed the mayor and his wife and kids. Um, so he doesn't even, he can't even get his head around that. Like, you know, he's like, who does that? Um, you know, his wife, who does that? Um, yeah, it's, it's messed up. 
Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Wyatt goes outside and uprides uh, McMasters, who's a former cowboy. Um, you know, Creek and uh, Texas, the three of them are there. Um, and they, they basically pledge their help. They lay it out that we're, we're here to help you. Um, you know, Wyatt sort of confronts McMasters because he's a cowboy, you know, brothers to the bone. And McMasters had enough. He throws his red sash on the ground. He says, no, that's it. You know, and they pledge their assistance to, to Wyatt to maybe, you know, stop this problem that's happening with the cowboys. Um, we cut to Morgan. Uh, he's, he's, I don't think it's the Oriental from what I read, at least in real life. It was not, it was a different place. It was a billiard place that he went to shoot some pool. Um, he lines up for a shot and a gunshot rings out and it gets him right in the back. Um, he drops to the ground and we do a quick cut to the doctor and, um, Wyatt working on Morgan on top of the pool table. I'm so um, fucking glad I was not alive. Yeah, like I know exactly. I would have never fucking made it. No, like, not no me. I would have been such, dead a long oh, fucking yeah. time ago. Such fuck a yeah. fucking pussy. There is yep. no way that yep. I would ever make it through any medical procedure. I talked too much shit. I would have been fucking. <laughs> I would have been fucking <laughs> killed because I talked too much shit. I'd have oh, been the fucking real Doc Holiday. No, exactly. But that's the thing: removing gunfights and 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 murders from the equation. There's so much shit that could kill you back then. Like, oh, you're yeah. right. I would be. De- I would be dead. I would be dead. But that, um, can you imagine how everybody smelled? There's right. No fu- there's no fucking air conditioning, dude. No, yeah. no, it's you awful. Just it's like awful. Fucking, just yeah. fucking ass. Awful. No, I don't think yeah. I would die in a cool way. There would be like dehydration or something right. stupid. <laughs> dysentery, <laughs> baby. Oregon Trail dysentery. That's what would happen to me. <laughs> I die by shitting myself. <laughs> so they're working on Morgan. There is blood, and rightfully so. There is fucking blood. Real quick, before we get into yeah. that. If your brother just came in and had to get his arm sold off and they've been killing a bunch of people in town, do you think you'd run home to your family or you'd go play pool? Well, no, here's in the In real thing. life, these were months apart. Yes, and, and I think that that was their way of trying to demonstrate that. They just didn't do a good job with the continuity. Will's right. This happened five months later. Um, but, yeah, they just they did a poor job demonstrating that. But I agree. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It seemed like it was all the same. No, night. I agree. Exactly. Exactly. They just did a, they just did a poor job, um, you know, with the editing and continuity. It, it's definitely an, an era in that. Um, so they're covered in blood. The doctor's trying to get the, the bullet out. Um, it's too deep. He can't get it out. The dog's barking. Why it's trying to get somebody to get shut the dog up? Get that fucking dog out of here. Right. The, the wives are crying, of course, because they're watching, you know, she's watching her husband die. Um, he's, the, the doc gives up. He knows it's, it's done. And apparently, I, I forget the doctor's name, but he was a well-respected physician in that town and county. And he was very good at gunshot wounds. And he was very capable of saying that, nope, this is it. <laughs> okay. It ain't happening. Um, so he walks away, which, you know, it, it calms Morgan down a bit in the sense that he's not in pain from getting his dug in his back to get a bullet out um and he has the heart to heart with 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 wyatt because he knows he's dying um he references uh back to his spiritual talk earlier in the movie about seeing a white light you know as the path to heaven and he goes you know you know that white light and Wyatt says yeah and he's like i don't see nothing and then he dies and apparently that was a conversation they had when when Morgan died because they had had a pact. And I guess that's why this spiritual conversation took place earlier 
they had a pact in real life to share with each other. If one died while the other one was there, to let them know what they saw. Like they had an interest in the afterlife and, and, and trying to prove it. Uh, so that actually did happen. Um, although in real life, his very last words were, I guess this is the last uh, round of pool I'll ever play. And then he died. Um, so, you know, why it's <laughs> Quite the observation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Wyatt said. Captain Obvious. Nice. No. Um, you know, a couple, of, a couple of other continuity issues. As much blood as there was. Like, Wyatt was covered in blood, but when he was stroking Morgan's forehead, no blood went on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, like, that's kind of like the Ghostbusters when, when uh, yeah, the marshmallow, blew the marshmallow, up and everyone was covered in marshmallow. <laughs> exactly. For, uh, um, you know, and then, <laughs> and then, like, you know, Wyatt's wiping his hands on his shirt and his shirt's still white. You know, it, whatever. It's um, it's nitpicking shit, but I just, I, you need to point out, the, you know, the, the 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 downsides of this flick as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just a little weird. Um, Wyatt has just he's completely lost it. He's destroyed at this point. It's his little brother. You know, he, he tried to guide him in the right direction, and it, it didn't help. He fucked it up. Um, he thinks he's poison at this point, that anybody near him is going to die. Uh, he heads outside in the rain, and he tries to have a quick conversation with God. Why him? Why him? Why Morgan? Um, you know, Josie runs up to him to help, and he just yells at her, get away from me. Um, He's again that, that goes to the point where he just feels he's completely toxic. He's poisoned now that if she's near him, she's going to die. Everybody's going to die next to him. Uh, so she leaves him alone. And I, if I remember correctly, Maddie's involved in that, too. And there's another awkward moment. And who cares? <laughs> we know what's going to happen. Um, so we Maddie are cared. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, she's just looking for the next fix. <laughs> oh, shit. That's true. You know how it is. We all been there, right? No. She's out selling ass under a railroad bridge or something. Come on. Oh yeah. yeah. Who hasn't? I mean, that's, all, that's what she was doing when he met her. Exactly. <laughs> but listen, guys, who hasn't sucked a little dick for some laudanum? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's be honest now, please. Get her <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we come. We come to um, the next scene. Uh, you know, Morgan's gone. Wyatt's beside himself. That's it. They're leaving town. They've, they've packed up the houses, they've loaded the wagon, and they're done. Okay, um, this clip that I'm going to have you play um, it has two of also my favorite lines in the movie, and both are also <laughs> used in my house a lot. Um, so, Joe, please roll it. I want you to know it's over. Well. Bye. <laughs> you smell that, Bill? It smells like someone died. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, well, bye. That's daily in my fucking house. <laughs> On the phone, in person, someone's leaving. Well, bye. And then uh, that smells like someone died. Is that's just to fuck with people in my house? That's Jesus what we did. <laughs> I know. And that 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 damn curly chuckle. I fucking love it. Powers Booth is a genius in this role. That little chuckle, you know. And because he again, everything's funny to him, you know. And right before he says that, you hear Ike just <laughs> a big fucking spitball. You can hear it audibly, just black, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so after that little scene, after that little clip, um, 
you know, um, Curly looks at Ike and tells him, you know, you, listen, you take uh, Stillwell and finish it, meaning follow them to Tucson, take care of them at the train station, get it done. Um, so we're getting to the climax, folks. We're almost there. Um, the next scene, we are at the station in Tucson. Uh, we see Virgil on the train with the ladies. Uh, it's at night. Um, to note, as crazy as this scene is, and I haven't been able to confirm that it's absolutely accurate, but the car number on the train is 5150, which, you know, we know from Van Halen is, you know, the involuntary, yeah, we know it's the involuntary hold uh, for psych, okay, for craziness. Um, I don't know if it was a reference or not, whatever, but it, 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 it's cool anyway. Um, so they're on the train. Uh, we see Stillwell and Ike, and um, damn it, I didn't write down the actor's name of play Stillwell. Um, he's not in the movie much, but he he was uh, he was in Gladiator. He he was uh, was uh, what's his name's sidekick guy who ran around getting all the senators together and stuff. And he's been in a bunch of movies. He's another good character actor. Bruce, uh, I don't know, whatever, uh, cool guy. So Stillwell and Ike see them, and they're about to basically shoot through the window or at least board the train and, and take care of uh, uh, Virgil. Ike decides Virgil is the one he wants. He states he's mine. Um, you know, because he wants to cut that pimp heart out, as he stated earlier. Um, so as they start to move, um, you know, Wyatt comes out of the comes out of the dark, and he, you know, he lays waste. The street howitzer does its job, and he he just opens Stillwell up. Uh, he's basically a sack of meat at that point. He's on the ground. Um, that happens, and Ike immediately goes into <laughs> survival mode again, drops the gun, and starts shitting himself on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And he walks up, uh, uh, Wyatt walks up to, to Ike and, you know, with his spur, and I love this fucking move, like, I, <laughs> I absolutely love it. He just uses his spur to basically uh, cut Ike's cheek open, you know, um, give, him, give him that old rat scar <laughs> on the side of his cheek. Um, and then he lays out the, the quintessential... Uh, lines in this movie i mean it sums up this movie and it it actually this is what brings us back to the opening scene at the mexican wedding when uh curly bill asks um uh you know you know his name (laughs) johnny ringo ask johnny ringo what the what the priest said and roll it joe all right clinton you called down the thunder well now you got it you see that it says United States Marshal. Wyatt, please don't kill me. Please. Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash. I kill a man wearing it. So run, you curse. Run! Tell all the other curse the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! And I love the music at the end because yeah. it's very Road Warrior-like. Epic. <laughs> you know? Um, Epic and I dig book. it. I dig it so much. So, yeah. So, <laughs> for those who might not know, he calls him a cur and a cur. So, C-U-R is, is the word. Uh, it's an old-timey word. Um, it, it's it's meant to be used uh, to describe a bad dog or a despicable person. 
um, it was used it, again. It's old timey speak back then. It was a word that would have been used at the time to call She's somebody still a car. Used around here, a dog like cur dogs. Like I've heard really? that my whole life. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I, look, I'm a sheltered suburban boy from Long Island. Well, I don't know this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's still spoken in redneck. Ah, all right. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I knew what the word was. I get. Maybe my dad called it. No, I'm teasing, but my dad had used it in a sentence or two, so I, I, I knew what the word was. But, yeah, I just wanted to give a little definition of that. Um, so now we come to what I have titled on my notes as Murder Montage 1 because <laughs> that implies there's more than one montage of murder. There was um, this, as, uh, the fucking montages were plentiful. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. remember that yeah. about this film. Yes, yes. So, Murder Montage 1, uh, just to give a little bullet point list, we see uh, there's the horse through the window murder, um, there's the brothel murder, um, there's the obligatory horseback murders, there's the opium den murder, which is my absolute favorite. I would say that's my favorite one. <laughs> that is an absolute favorite where the poor sucker grabs the gun barrel thinking it's an opium pipe, and nope, it ain't. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the hanging murder. They hang a couple of cowboys and tie the sashes around their ankles. Uh, now, the, so yeah, the horseback murder... You ever see stunt work in a movie and it just jumps out at you? as like, yes. no, someone really did yep. that, and that there's no way that that looked. I mean, it. it no, that was it's done. It's too painful. Yeah, that was as practical an effect as you can get in a movie. You are right. That was old timey, old school Hollywood horse riding is what that was. Oh God! Speaking um, of horses and painful, also that handshake. Ugh. Oh, I know, I know. That was that was cringy. That was cringy. That happens, at the, that happens in Murder Montage 2, so don't jump ahead, Joe. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, <laughs> That's Murder God. Montage 2, Joe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Eric, you're right. And, and here's the thing. If you look at the cast of this movie, all the extras, all the lesser parts, to a person, they've all been involved in Westerns their whole life. Like, these people, these folks could ride those horses. They've, they had already done the stunt work. They knew how it was done. And that's why it looks so good. Um, they went out of their way to hire the right people to make this movie in that sense. Um, gotcha. Just the stuff was great. It was so cool. Um, so we come upon the ambush scene. Uh, another one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Um, it's iconic as far as this This is the goes. one where I'm like, okay, come on. This is yeah? still fucking like fake. But guess what? It really happened that way. It's documented that he did this. All right. But let's talk about the scene. Um, Curly Bill, he sets up an ambush to get Wyatt and the boys. Um, they start shooting. The boys are down. They're, they're fucked. They all know that, you know, they're done. They're all looking to Wyatt, saying, Wyatt, you got to do something. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, Wyatt loads his shotgun, and he stands up, and he starts, starts wading in the, in the river towards the cowboys. They're all shooting at him, and they're missing. This is like the best stormtrooper impersonation I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> They yeah. are missing him and missing him and missing him, okay? So you're right. I'm watching this thing. Every time I watch it, going, all right, this is bullshit. This is bullshit, right? It's like, huh, what so, should I do? Let me walk out in the middle where I have zero protection. Exactly. And he is saying, first in a low voice, no. And he keeps saying no, and he's getting louder and louder. Curly Bill yells and says he's mine. So the rest of the Cowboys stop shooting. Curly Bill comes out and starts shooting at him. And again, impersonates a stormtrooper better than I've ever seen anybody do. He shoots at him. He unloads two pistols at him, and he misses every fucking time. Uh, we go to the slow motion, which is funny, because I mentioned the director's cut earlier. So the slow motion is pretty slow when he, when he screams no and, and, and pulls up the, the shotgun. 
it was even slower in the director's cut. They added like 15 seconds to this fucking slow motion, which is dumb. But anyway, he, he draws the shotgun and he cuts Curly Bill in half. All right. Now, Joe, I go back to this because it is documented from an eyewitness account from the cowboy from Barnes, played by John Corbett, who's the next one to get shot. That that actually happened. That he could none of them could believe it. Okay, but that's what Wyatt Earp did, and they all fucking missed him. All right, it's like a goddamn Jules and Vincent moment in <laughs> in uh, in Pulp Fiction. All right, it's divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. But according to him and other cowboys or other you know survivors, that shit happened. And I mean, that's I still just some cool shit to say before you off somebody. I know, exactly. And look, I still find it kind of hard to believe because it was crazy. But in any case, he cuts down Curly Bill. Uh, this obviously rallies his, his boys, and they start shooting up uh, the Cowboys as they all scatter because the Cowboys are like, holy fuck, like, they don't believe this. Uh, Johnny Ringo was not at this, at this event. Um, so Barnes, the guy who stated it, he, they get shot. Right away, but he, he lived for a few days, and that's where he recounted the story and, and documented it as this really happened. Um, so the, um, the ambush is done. They're, they are licking their wounds and, and regrouping now, uh, right by the river there. And, uh, and this takes place, so please play this clip. Did you ever see anything like that before? Hell, I ain't never even heard of anything like that. <laughs> Nothing. Where is he? Down by the creek. Walking on water. Well, let's hope he's got another miracle up his sleeve. If I know Ringo, he's headed straight for us. If they were my brothers, I'd want revenge to him. No, make no mistake. It's not revenge he's after. It's a reckoning. Doc, you ought to be in bed. What the hell are you doing this for, anyway? Wide up is my friend. Hell, I got lots of friends. I don't. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, this just shows how much, you know, why it means to Doc and vice versa. This goes back to why, you know, Doc's earlier comment when Wyatt was wondering why he was going to help him out. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing to say. Because they were. They were, they were friends to the end, uh, and they meant a lot to each other. Uh, so, yeah, so we get through that. Um, the next scene, quickly, is the uh, Cowboys on the move. Um, you know, stagecoach pulls up, uh, and we look inside to see it's the theater troupe, and Mr. Fabian's been shot and killed. Um, it's obviously devastating to Billy Breckenridge, who's there. Um, you know, Ike mentions the two guys who did it, like, so casual, because he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fabian's dead. Um, Josie just, you know, he curses them all. She curses them all as cowards, which they are. Uh, she doesn't understand the ugliness, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's sincere. You know, this is a sucky moment. Uh, Billy, he, he's done. Um, you know, he, he's, he's been, uh, been behanding the Cowboys' little, little uh, sidekick. Uh, but he's done with it. He gets on a horse and he leaves. He goes, I can't be a part of this anymore. There's got to be some kind of law. Uh, so he goes. Um, 
Very quickly after that, the team's up on a ridge, and they spot uh, the Cowboys uh, through a spyglass. Um, McMaster's <coughs> mentions that there looks to be 30 of them, and they're all wearing badges. So it's, quote, legal. <laughs> but that ain't, uh, you know, that ain't the case. Um, at that point, Doc, fall, he, he's spitting blood bad. He falls off the horse. He's, like, completely out of it. Um, so they scoop him up, and they head to the nearest ranch that happens to be uh, Henry Hooker's ranch. Um, Hooker was a real man. Um, he had, he, Henry Hooker actually employed um, Billy the Kid before Billy the Kid was Billy the Kid. He worked on his ranch uh, back in the day in real life. Um, uh, he's played by Charlton Heston. Um, again, th- this goes this just lends to the the authenticity that they wanted to bring because I mean Charlton was, Heston is a huge actor. He's friends. He was friends with Mitchum. Um, and wanted to be in the movie, even in this small part, is my understanding. But, you know, he had been in a ton of westerns along with other movies. Um, and, you know, they wanted him in there to lend some, lend some gravitas to the to flick. Uh, so, I mean, he's only got a few lines. But, you know, he allows them to, uh, to, to come on his ranch, water their horses, and, and you know, let Doc rest. So, um, you know, we see Doc in bed at Hooker's. Um, a, the coach with the troop arrives uh, Josie's there. She gets out. Um, just an interesting little uh, Easter egg is that so when the coach is there and, and, and Hooker's on the on the porch talking to them, um, the guy standing next to him is Chris Mitchum, who's who's uh, Robert Mitchum's son. Uh, he was an actor hmm. as well, not as well known, but yes, he's in he's in the flick because his dad was in it. Uh, so he he I don't think he has a line, but he but he's standing there. So um, that was pretty cool. Uh, White and Josie meet. Uh, White apologizes, and Josie just plainly states, I forgave you the moment you said it, because she understood uh, his torment at that moment. Um, you know, so it's all good. And guess what, boys? What do they do? They lock eyes again. Uh, no kissy-kissy yet, but, you know, this is uh, number 372. They lock eyes. Um, He's getting close y- to taking that mule ride down to Freckle Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. exactly. It is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty mule gather coffee beans every morning. <laughs> yes. He's All right. Bury, so bury his mule in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the home stretch, people. So hang in there. All right. Um, we cut to a scene of a cowboy <laughs> dragging a body behind him towards the ranch. And uh, we find out it's it's poor McMasters. Uh, he's. You know, it's not explained in the movie. It is in the director's cut, how he went out to sort of try to negotiate. And this is what they did to him. But uh, they beat him and kill him. He's beyond recognition. I mean, when, when the boys, the boys uh, run up on him, uh, they're repulsed. I mean, Wyatt, Wyatt almost throws up. <laughs> so apparently the damage was pretty bad, though. They didn't show it. Uh, so, yeah, McMasters is gone. At least he died. He died a good man. Um, the cowboy from a distance tells Wyatt that Ringo wants, uh, he wants a one-on-one with him. He wants to settle this man to man. Um, you know, White, he, I have notes here. He just, he quietly, he quietly shits himself, but, you know, he, he says, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. You know, definitely. He's done. I'll be there. Um, we cut to Ringo uh, telling him, you know, he's telling Ike that once he's done with Earp, that he wants Ike to burn them all, meaning the other guys. So we're talking about Creek and Texas and, uh, and, and Doc. Um, it's funny. They keep putting this shit on Ike, but. They should know at this point he ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> okay, he'll never get any of this done. But they keep asking him to do it. Uh, but that's fine. Um, 
We are now back to a shot of Doc in bed. Uh, it's Wyatt and Doc's turn to have a heart-to-heart and just talk about, you know, life and basically, you know, what they mean to each other in a, in a roundabout way. Uh, you know, Wyatt laments that he's finally found, you know, what he's looking for, but it's too late. It doesn't matter because he doesn't, he knows he's not going to survive. I mean, they even, you know, he flat out says it, but uh, why don't you roll this clip, Joe? Makes a man like Ringo, Doc. Makes him do the things he does. A man like Ringo got a great empty hole right to the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. What does he need? Revenge. Yep. So just another apt description of the torment that uh, that Johnny Ringo lives. Um, You know, he's definitely messed up. So, you know, uh, Wyatt drops the line. I can't beat him, can I? And Doc, as a matter of fact, in in his answer, is just saying no. He knows he knows that that's just not possible. Um, Doc asks to hold uh, Wyatt's badge because he always wanted to just see what it felt like. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll find out in a minute. Um, and, uh, you know, Wyatt heads out, and he, he talks because he knows it's time. He talks to Hooker, who vows to protect uh, to protect Doc. You know, they, they, they want to get to him. they got to go through us. Um, and he's, he's sincere about it because that's the kind of man he, he is. And from what I read in real life, that's what he was. He was an honorable man. Um, so they are they are heading to Ringo. They the you know the the three of them. We got uh, we got Wyatt and and, and Creek and, and Texas. They're there. Um, you know, they meet the other cowboys who, who tell Wyatt where where Ringo's waiting. Uh, you know, Wyatt basically thanks the two of them. Uh, he says goodbye to him. Uh, you know, the commoners ain't got the words. Creek says that, and Wyatt me neither because you know they 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 did they meant a lot to each other. You know, obviously to. to to back a play like that revenge ride and everything else, uh, you know, they're honorable men as well. So, uh, yeah. So then we, uh, we cut to the showdown, um, which I made a note here and I mentioned earlier that apparently, apparently, or according to history, it never happened. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, Johnny Ringo killed himself against a tree. He sat at a tree and he shot himself in the head. Um, but you know, we're not sure, but we think that's what happened. But it doesn't matter because, again, it's a movie. Um, you know, so Ringo's leaning against a tree, uh, waiting. And we see Wyatt, you know, stroll up from the shadows and roll it. Well. I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. 
I wasn't. And this time, it's legal. Longer? Let's do it. Say when. strong. So, yeah, I apologize. There's some dead air there as far as just the music goes, but they were circling each other and such. But yeah, uh, that is when you're watching the, the video of it, it, it helps a little more. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. But it, it gets the point across. I mean, that's the, the absolute climactic scene in the movie. Um, it is the showdown we've been waiting for. And it happened like it should have. Doc was a better man. Um, and, you know, because Johnny's torment in the end got to him. He, he was scared when he saw Doc. Um, it's funny that, so my favorite line in the movie, I'm your Huckleberry, is uttered twice. They use the same clip two times. Uh, and you never see him say it. <laughs> okay. The first time, the camera angle is from behind Doc. And the second time, he's in the shadows. You do not see his mouth move because they added that afterwards. <laughs> he never said it on set or in either scene when it happened. Um, but I don't care because it's still my favorite line in the movie. Um, so, yeah, he, he takes care of Johnny. Um, it was a pretty gruesome fucking death, all things considered. The fact that he, he got him in the head, but it was a headshot that didn't kill him. It was basically a lobotomy. Um, and, you know, he, he twitched and then finally dropped. Um, now, from what I read, his self-inflicted gunshot was exactly in that spot. Um, apparently, they did find him against that tree with that gunshot in his head, and his pistol was in his hand. So... It could have been staged, who knows, but again, it didn't happen like that in real life. Um, so, you know, we, uh, they wrap it up there, and um, he, uh, Wyatt says to Doc, let's finish it, and, you know, Doc's got a great line, the last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. Um, that's a reference to some Greek play or something I should know, but I don't. <laughs> 
then we get what I've titled Murder Montage Part 2 because it's another montage of um, a lot of murders, a lot of cowboy murders. Um, yeah, this horse stunts galore in this. Joe, Joe had referenced uh, the one of them. Um, there's a, you know, under the horse's chin shotgun blast. There's lots of shotgun blasts. And, and as Eric mentioned, the, the stunt work is amazing. The, the one that gets me the most that hurts every time I watch it is Wyatt shotgunning a cowboy from behind, and the cowboy falls off the horse and lands in a creek. That guy probably, he had to break a collarbone. Like, he landed so hard. <laughs> yeah, that okay, looks... Here's another thing. Have you shot a shotgun? Yes, I have. And you're, you're not right. going to shoot a fucking shotgun from a horse. It's going to knock you off the horse. It's going to knock you off the horse, and the horse is going to buck you no matter how yeah, many times you've done it with the horse. It's going to scare the shit out of the exactly. horse, too. No, I Let's agree. Shoot it I under agree. the horse's head. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, that particular scene, I, like I said, that guy had to break a collarbone because there was no pad underneath him. He landed in the rocks. and It's not even like he fell into the creek where the water was a little deep. He landed on the rocks right at the edge. So, you know, that's some great stunt work. Um, so, yeah, so, so that scene ends with um, the boys chasing Ike and Behan. And um, they're ready to shoot. They've got Ike lined up for the shot, and he pulls the sash off and drops it because he basically remembers, I see a red sash, I kill the man wearing it. Um, they let Ike go. Ike and Behan both go. Um, Ike died in real life a couple years later in an attempted cattle rustling. Um, so he didn't make it much further after that. I don't know what became of Behan. I didn't pay attention. Um, I think he just continued to be a lawman and a hustler. Um, so, yeah, that finishes that. That's when that handshake takes place, which, yeah, again, is fucking corny, and there was no reason for it, but they had to do it. Um, so that brings us to our closing scene. Um, we see a sign for the uh, Glenwood Sanatorium in Colorado. There was no such place. Uh, it was the Glenwood Hotel where Doc spent his final days in uh, Glenwood, Colorado, but it was, there was not a sanatorium there, but that's fine. Um, Doc's in bed. Uh, he's being read his, his last rites because we know the time is near. Um, you know, Wyatt comes up, and apparently he's been meeting with Doc for quite a while uh, to keep his spirits up and just have conversations with a friend. Um, he keeps it light, trying to play poker, and talks about how Doc's still kicking his ass, but, you know, Doc knows it's time, and, and he's having none of it. He wants it done. Um, Doc gives him a book. We don't see what it is at first. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Wyatt gives Doc the book, and we don't see what it is. Doc's just holding it. He doesn't look at it yet. Um, he, you know, he, he states to, to, to Wyatt, and again, this demonstrates what they meant to each other, is that you're the only human being in my life that, I, that ever gave me hope. So he lived vicariously through, uh, through, through Wyatt, you know, because... He felt Wyatt was a good man, regardless of, you know, what real life tells us or whatever. I mean, you know, he respected him more than anything. Um, he goes into a quick story about being in love with his first cousin. <laughs> which is, yeah, what the fuck? I, I, there was no yeah. reason for that. There was, I, you know what? Weird ass shit. Even yeah. if Will's saying what the fuck, you know it's weird. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it started weird and then it just got weirder. And it's weird. Yeah, it the guy weirder. from Tennessee is like, what the fuck? <laughs> And, and I, you know, so he was I fifteen. I was like, Ooh, record, I'm out. I've uh, never fucked <laughs> any of my cousins. <clears throat> I couldn't bring myself to check. We waited that, till they were eighteen, right? But I, I couldn't bring myself to check if it was real. 
Because even if it was, there is absolutely zero reason to bring that up. You've built up Doc as this fucking beautiful figure through this whole movie, and then you're going to throw this at us with 30 seconds left in the <laughs> flick? I'm like, fuck you guys. No one could be perfect. But that you was know, rude, man. That you was know fucking what's rude. fucked up? Like, yeah. the, uh, like what really happened between them? Like, this whole shit never took place. Like, they had right. a falling out and yes. didn't speak. And Wyatt didn't find out he was dead until months later. Yes, exactly, exactly. But again, romanticize um, the movie. You know, movie uh, magic. Yeah, um, Wyatt's final words to Doc are, you know, thanks for always being there, Doc. Um, you know, and, and in the movie, he was always there for him, so it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, he leaves, and uh, Doc picks the book up and looks, and it, it's a book. It says, you know, my friend Doc Holliday by Wyatt Earp. So, so Wyatt wrote a book, probably telling tales of, of their exploits and, you know, it's cool. Uh, so, I mean, Doc's laying there. His feet are sticking out. He looks down at his feet, and he just says, I'll be damned. This is funny. And, you know, I, there's a couple of different possible meanings to this. I mean, there, there, was, there was one, you know, that he always thought he died with his boots on, and he, he didn't have his boots on. But the prevailing theory is that what he meant when he said it, and it's documented that he'd say it. He took a swig of whiskey, and he said that, and he died. Uh, the prevailing theory is that he just, it's funny because of all the ways he thought he would die because of the, the shit that he had done. This was not what he thought. You know, yeah. he thought he, he'd die in a gunfight or bit by a rattlesnake or whatever. You know, something would happen to him violent. And, and, and this is how he went. And, and he thought it was funny. And he passed. Um, that should have been the end of the fucking movie. Yep, I said that's <laughs> the end of the movie. <laughs> All right. That's uh, the I, end of the movie. <laughs> for those for those who haven't seen it, just turn it off <laughs> when that happens because <laughs> this is the worst, most cringeworthy moment in the whole fucking movie. It's the dumbest, and most there's forced. There's the one line shit. that just yeah. like pisses me off more than anything. Wait, else. don't say it because I guarantee it's the same line, and I'll get to it in a second. Right? <laughs> it starts off with a shot of this theater, right, in in a snowy town. The most fake ass snowman you've ever seen in your life is out front with kids <laughs> playing it. Nobody could build a snowman like that, that looks like that. Nobody could with the arms, realistic arms sticking outside. And so smooth. Bullshit. Fake snowman, right? Um, Josie's <laughs> just finished up a, a performance of uh, HMS Pinafore, Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, and she's backstage and she's taking off her makeup and yakking with somebody. Uh, the, the other person in the room leaves and in walks Wyatt. And um, you know, he confesses. To her, he's, they're thrilled to see each other, he, you know, and he then confesses to her, look, I have nothing. I have no pride. I have no honor. I have no money. And, Joe, this is the line, go. right? Yeah. Well, well, my family's rich. Right. <laughs> Don't worry. My family Why is rich. Why didn't you say this two hours ago when exactly. you were on a fucking horse ride? We could have just ended this shit. Exactly. And secondly, that's total bullshit because it didn't happen that way because her family didn't have money. She couldn't even find her family. And if she did, they wouldn't want her because she was a fucking crazy person and a whore <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, you know big, big, listen joe whore. come on it's it's a sex worker and that's that's as honorable profession as anybody else so do, let's that we're going to keep this fucking real and woke okay so, <laughs> anyway it's late and i'm so fucking tired all right folks we're at the end they go and outside ludicrous comes on use exactly. a hoe <laughs> oh use a all right. hoe I All right. said that you's a hoe. Okay, Joe. All right. <laughs> so they go outside, and Wyatt looks at her and says, she says, what do we do now? And we're, he says, we're going to do what I should have done the first time we met. And 
she they grab each other and they dance to non-existent music in the fucking snow next to the fake snowman and then he says and then we'll order room service and we cut to roll it joe Oh, gonna, you mean <laughs> yes. actual? The power of the cowboy gang was broken forever. Ike Clanton was shot and killed two years later during an attempted robbery. Mattie died of a drug overdose shortly after she left Tombstone. Virgil and Allie Earp moved to California, where Virgil, despite the use of only one arm, became a town sheriff. Wyatt and Josephine embarked on a series of adventures. Up or down, thin or flush, in 47 years, they never left each other's side. Wyatt Earp died in Los Angeles in 1929. Among the pallbearers at his funeral were early Western movie stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. Tom Mix wept. The end, folks. And I have to quickly say that Mitchum's narration, he took way too much joy in letting us know that Maddie died of an overdose. (laughs) He was very, he was very angry. He was angry at horror. Like, see, we we, we told you. um, you Since Virgil was a sheriff, that any time a criminal pulled a gun on him, he'd be like, don't shoot, I'm (laughs) one-armed. You were waiting for that one, huh? Yes, I was. (laughs) Well, that was good. I liked it. Um, yeah, so so in the end, that's the movie. Um, I, I I'll I'll sum it up by saying again, this is my in my top ten or top fifteen. I'll continue to watch it anytime it's on. I obviously brought to light, and we as a team brought to light some nefarious shit that took place in this movie, because there are issues. It's not a perfect movie, not even close. And you know, when we get to scores, we'll we'll see how it, it pans out. But um, I I dig it just for the quotes, uh, for the bravado. And, and everything else. So, all right. Um, Speaking of which, let's rate this this motherfucker. Yeah, there we go. All right. So, Who's Will, the way we us? rate this is, it's a zero to five score. You can get decimal points. Five is perfect. Zero is piece of shit. And you, yeah, you can go by decimal points in between. I am a movie critic by trade, and until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, rent the classic. Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. If If the the movie movie stinks, just don't go. You love me. You really love me. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Are you not entertained? Three point six. No explanation? Why you're going to go with that? Just the, I don't know, the overall campiness, I think, is the handshake is yeah. really not, knocks <laughs> off a point. Okay. And the Freckle Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might bump my score up if it wasn't a test yeah, of the shit plot. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was, uh, 
It was good. I mean, you know, Val Kilmer made that damn movie. And like I said, yeah. I'm I'm sorry for shitting on Kurt Russell all these years. It no, wasn't no, no. that bad. But again, like I said, we, we've sort of come to a meeting of the minds on that, so I get it. Yeah. All right. All right. My, so, my, uh, uh, yeah. Eric. my rating on this guy, let's see. I I enjoyed it. Um, the thing I thought it did really well was uh, it was tense as shit, man. Like, those shootout sequences were really tense. Um, stunt work was really intense. So, yeah, I was a fan. I'd give it a, I'd give it a solid, uh, a solid 4.0. All right. Okay. Excellent. I Joe? am going to do my uh, thing I do here, which is Babylon about why this movie should be what it is, and then I throw a curveball at you. But I'm giving Doc Holiday a five. Hmm. I'm giving the Freckle Canyon itself a five, <laughs> along with the eyes. And I'm going to give the rest of this movie about a three. It's a good movie, but it, I just, I'm, yeah, it, it could use an improvement. All right. That's, that's also, I completely respect that. Um, I, it's funny because again, I, I love this movie. I can't say enough how much I love this movie. Um, my watching it twice this week and taking the notes might've knocked it a peg or two down. <laughs> I'm still going to watch it anytime it's on, like I said, but, um, I am just to be the top dog here in my own eyes anyway. Um, you know, our high rating was a four. I'm going with a 4.1. Um, you know, which for a movie in my top 10 is, you know, actually on the low side. But, you know, I get the flaws in it. I understand the flaws in it, but there's too many good things. There's too many important things for me. Again, the quotes that are used in the family on a regular basis, things like that. That's very important to me. And that factors into my into my score. So 4.1. Nice. All right, guys. Um, let's, uh, let's plug some shit up here. Will, you got anything to plug? Uh, just surprise me. Which is basically this show, but substitute <laughs> Eric with a foul-mouthed other guy. Can can we do the other the other way around? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. gets shit on so much. He does. <laughs> I I can't even do it. It's I kind of so feel bad, but he he's would just Billy, tell me something he's, terrible. Yeah, he's the Billy Breckenridge on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All they ever that did was make fun of him. That <laughs> sister boy. Exactly. Yep. Um, Doug. Plug. Plug, Doug. Plug. All right. Well, I mean, just surprised me as well. Uh, so I'm always excited to do that show. Uh, and 37 effects uh, for your fat guy little coat and soon-to-be tombstone trouble boost. See, get it? That's where the tie-in comes. My next pedal is going to be the tombstone Pedal, uh, trouble boost and it will have a direct reference to my favorite line in that movie uh, somewhere on the pedal um, so I'm excited that's going to be coming out in about a month uh, 37fx.com the word 30 the number 7fx.com thank you Eric oh yes sir art of Eric Pabone.com uh, art of Eric Pabone.threadless.com for your t-shirts and artpal.com slash art of Eric Pabone for your fine art prints, canvases, and frame pieces. Uh, hit me up if you need a custom commission. Uh, shoot me a direct message and we'll work something out. And, of course, uh, 
I, it hasn't been mentioned yet, but just surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, that's also a podcast I do. And uh, some pedals, likes my pedals, all that good shit. Uh, you know, uh, join the Facebook group. We got a master yes, of the please. cinematic universe. We got we'll a nice growing. We got a nice growing group here. We just got to get more active. Um, yep. We we promise to be more active, and you know we would love for you to be more active. Drop some shit. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, and then have some fun. If you got a movie clip you want to throw in there, or a recommendation, of something we might want to do, do it. Or throw it out there for us. Be a guest. Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Um, Erica, what what movie do we got coming up next? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about this one, guys. We are going to tackle one of my favorite movies of all time. That is Star Wars A New Hope. So uh, we will be joined by my brother, Ryan, special guest. And we're going to dig into it, man. It's it's going to be a long one, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yep, and I'm sure if you stay to the very end of the episode, you might get a special surprise. <laughs> you just may. That's what you call it? A special surprise. Oh, it's special, all right. Yeah, it certainly is. It's special in a whatever in a, you know. Let's just it, say it, I I would not tell a lie. Oh God! <laughs> it's a spe- it's special in that ringer the the ringer movie way, right? That's yeah. I'm like Johnny Knoxville. I'm no, Mr. Knoxville. I don't know. I no, no. That's not what I'm not. I'm talking about some of the other cast. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, let's just say oh you guys are well Eric's from Florida I'd be a bag boy at Publix <laughs> <laughs> yep he gets that joke I do I do uh, so once All again right, guys thank you for everything yes Join thank the you so group. much uh, we, you know it's not us that make this show it's, it's you yeah we love you all lights camera fuck off Get fucked!